Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. I'm going to talk about Anna for just a second because she grew up and attended Sacramento uh, Elementary School over in the Park Rose School District. And people who know her know her story. Parents immigrated from Taiwan to the United States. She was three years old, and parents bought a 28-unit motel on Sandy Boulevard, Sandy and 115th. Not the best area. And in fact, uh, right before we got married, I drove over there, just checked out the area that she grew up in, and I thought, gosh, must have been uh, must have been uh, different for her than it was for me. I grew up a little rural. And uh, she grew up in this motel, and her parents owned and operated the motel. And for a period of time, it was just her and her mom running this motel. And it didn't make any sense to me. I'll be honest. Like, you know, I'm a sports columnist. I cover sports. But I also feel like I'm really tuned into kind of sociology, psychology. I study people. I mean, that's what sports is. When we're looking at the transfer portal, and everybody's getting mad at all the athletes jumping into the portal. More than a thousand college football players in the portal now, out of sixteen thousand total on NCAA rosters in major college football. Everybody's mad at the players. What about the coaches? We'll talk about that on today's show. But uh, whether you're looking at the players or the coaches, we're really talking about people. And it didn't make sense to me when she told me, "Hey, I said, where do you go to college?" She said, "I went to Pepperdine." I was like, "That's a really good school." And she said, I got, you know, I was on scholarship at Pepperdine. And I I started thinking to myself, like, I was not a kid that earned an academic scholarship. I had good grades, but I didn't have scholarship-level Pepperdine grades. And you know what I'm talking about if you've got a college kid. You're talking about uh, overachieving kids that have got 4.0s and good test scores and all that stuff. And I thought, gosh, she grew up in this area where there were a lot of distractions, and at the time when she was a kid at Sandy Boulevard and 115th in the Park Rose uh, School District, it was uh, the motel that she, her parents owned. It was, you know, that, that stretch of Sandy Boulevard was not gentle. It was drugs. It was violence. It was prostitution. Uh, you know, it was uh, mayhem. And I thought to myself, how did a kid who grew up in this end up with damn near 4.0 going to Pepperdine on a full ride? And what I really found out is I asked questions and I kind of talked to her about her upbringing and her school. And, you know, some of it was her smarts. She's smarter than me. But some of it was uh, the community in that Park Rose area. And it was the schools. And it was the co-curricular activities. And it was the fact that she was staying at school in junior high and high school until 8 o'clock at night. And she was going at 6.37 in the morning. And so she wasn't spending any time really in the uh, in the area where there was all that trouble going on, where, you know, there was danger. And so I thought to myself, and I was grateful 
years later for that school district and for the teachers and for the after school programs and you know she was playing volleyball and she was uh, in student body and she was on the student newspaper and student government and she was just uh, really that over-involved kid who probably immersed herself in these co-curricular activities because going home was chaotic going home was being, you know, 12 or 13 or 14 or 15 years old and working the front desk of a 28-unit motel that was frequented by, you know, people who were up to no good. And so I became really interested in trying to figure out, like, what was happening to kids in today's world who didn't have school districts that offered the co-curricular activities for students after school and before school and on weekends and sports teams and what happens when the cost of those things escalates to the point where you just can't afford to do them you can't afford to participate and what about the kids who can't afford at all to participate to play a musical instrument or to play a sport or to be involved in student newspaper or take a field trip or go for a weekend to a camp or you know a drama camp a theater camp or a writing uh, workshop or something that would really enrich them and send them on their way so that all those years later they could look back and go, damn it, it was that one activity that I got to do that really led me to where I am today. And I thought about where are those kids? And this was around about, you know, we were talking about 2009, 2010 when the budget cuts in the state of Oregon and in southern Washington really hit hard. The state stopped funding and what did the schools do? They stopped going on field trips. They stopped putting musical instruments in the hands of kids. They stopped doing after-school programs. The theater production scaled back. They couldn't afford lighting. The athletics programs, what did they do? They used to say to the kids, hey, come out for the team. We'll give you a jersey. All you got to do is buy your shoes. Well, all of a sudden, they were going, well, we don't have equipment. So now we have to charge the kids a participation fee to play a sport. And all of a sudden, what was happening were the kids that grew up like my wife, who badly needed those activities and probably couldn't have access to them because of economics, just weren't participating. They saw participation numbers in sports take a dip, in the uh, other co-curricular activities, even if they offered them at the school, took a dip. The classes stopped going on field trips because nobody wanted to pay for transportation. What I'm saying is we were losing people. 2008, 2009, 2010, and we decided to do something about it. We were doing this blasted radio show. We have this platform. I was being asked to MC events. Anna was being asked to MC events, and we got called back to her old high school, Park Rose High School. She was supposed to MC an auction. And she was up on the stage, and they had these great auction items, and I was sitting in the crowd, and I was looking around, and there was almost nobody in the audience, and they were auctioning off these amazing hot air balloon rides and all these things, and I was going to myself like, wait a minute, um, there's nobody in the room here. They're not really, they're not, schools aren't good at raising money, was the takeaway. They're not great at it. And so the Bald Face Truth Foundation was formed, and in 2009, we started raising money and sending classrooms on field trips. It was a simple thing. We, uh, one of the very first grants that we gave was to a kindergarten in Beaverton that wanted to hatch chickens in the classroom. They, they, uh, they, their incubators were broken. And we decided that we were going to buy incubators for all four kindergarten classrooms so the kids could learn how a egg turns into a chicken. 
And so we did that. That was one of the first grants. And then there was a trip to the pumpkin patch for another school that was in Hillsboro or Beaverton. And then all of a sudden, teachers found out where the BFT Foundation was. And teachers who had been reaching into their own pockets to fund, uh, you know, to buy a backpack for a kid that showed up on the first day of school without a backpack or to buy shoes for a kid in the winter who had no other, no other uh, means to get shoes or to pay a participation fee. So a kid who really needed to find a team to belong to could could run track or play basketball or pick up the clarinet and play it and we started funding these things and it was small at first it was a trickle but on this radio show with the power that you have and the power that this audience of this radio show has it soon became a stream that turned into a river and now we are talking about what are we 13 years later we're talking about funding field trips. We're talking about paying for teams to go now uh, on team-building experiences. We're talking about classroom books and supplies and building libraries at elementary schools. And we're talking about today on this radio show that in a way that you can make a difference. The BFT Foundation is a 501c3. It's a nonprofit. has no employees. It's all volunteer. So your dollars go to where your dollars are supposed to go. Uh, and we are today holding our Radiothon in auction. And part of this is online. So if you want to see the great auction items like the beach vacation home in Pacific City that we're auctioning off, or we've got some sideline passes to see the Oregon Ducks and Portland State football next season in the season opener at Autzen Stadium, two sideline passes. You can stand on the sideline during the game. We've got Blazers courtside seats. We've got uh, the ability for you to throw the first pitch out at a Hillsboro Hops minor league baseball game next season. We've got uh, an advertising package right here on 750 The Game. Your company, if you own a small business, can uh, win that auction and get an advertising package worth $5,000 on this show. If you want to dip your toe into the, uh, the world of marketing and advertising and feel good about it in the process, have at it. Uh, we've got a 17-year-old barrel-proof Heaven Hill bottle of bourbon that is uh, a collector's item that is being auctioned off. You can find those auctions by going to bftauction.com, bftauction.com, or you can go to the Bald Face Truths uh, Foundation's website, baldfacetruth.org. But bftauction.com is an easy way to get there. Uh, KGW's got Grant's Getaways, Grant McComey, the outdoor reporter at KGW, auctioning off the ability for you to star in an episode of Grant's Getaways with Grant. That would make a wonderful Christmas gift. And how about the University of Oregon women's basketball program? Kelly Graves and the team offering courtside seats and backstage access. You can go into the locker room and hear the pregame talk and the strategy session get behind the scenes with the Oregon Ducks women's basketball program. If you're into that, if you're into any, seeing any of these auction items, uh, what you can do now is go to bftauction.com and check that out. And the ultimate result is you're bidding here, of course, and you're getting cool items, uh, like going on a guided fishing trip on the Willamette or, or uh, you know, going to a Blazers game and sitting in a great seat or being on the sideline at an Oregon football game. But the other byproduct is you're helping kids much in the same way that that school wrapped its arms around my wife and said, hey, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to come 
after school and be part of a theater production and play on a volleyball team and be part of student government. And, you know, she didn't have to pay back in the day. The kids today, they have to pay. So families are having to make some tough decisions. Can they afford for their kid to play a musical instrument and a sport? A lot of times the answer is no. And sometimes the answer is, hey, we can't do either. And that's where the BFT Foundation comes in, and that's where it helps out because it says to those kids, hey, you can do anything you want. We got it. And today we're making that happen. If you would like to make a tax-deductible donation, there's a few ways to do it. If, you just wanna, if you're just feeling moved and you feel like, hey, I want to make a donation, I want to have an impact with kids in my community, I want to invest in, in my community, you can do it a couple of different ways. You can go to baldfacetruth.org. And you can make that donation right there on the website. Some of you have already done it today. Or you can call in, and our volunteers are standing by right now. You can call 503-417-7575. That's 417-7575 in the 503 area code. They will take your tax-deductible donation right now. And uh, we'll be uh, you know, talking throughout the show today about some matches that are being offered. And I'm here to tell you that any donations that you make in this three-hour period, it's not just a dollar that you're donating when you uh, say, hey, I want to give a dollar or I want to give $25 or $50 or $100 or $500. It's not that. We have several companies that are going to call in today and tell you that they're offering matches. These matches will overlap. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to shout out a couple of them, and you're going to hear from some of these business owners throughout the show today. Gresham Ford, Best Wills, and the team at Gresham Ford, they're matching the first $5,000 that is donated today on the show, so your dollars are double. You also have Steve Foltz at Jamba, the local Jamba juice that you uh, go into and enjoy. He's also matching. We have Brandon Hellervick at uh, you know High Caliber Millwrights, who's matching as well. And you have the Hogue Family Foundation that is matching. So what I'm saying is, your donation now is amplified by four today, up to a certain amount, to about $5,000. So if you feel like, hey, you know, my $25 or my $50 is it's not going to make that big a difference, you, you're out of your mind because your $25 or your $50 is now not just paying for one kid or two. Maybe it's sending a, a classroom on a field trip. Maybe it's paying for three or four kids to play different instruments. Uh, you really have a chance to make an impact today, and I hope you take advantage of that. You can call now at 503-417-7575 if you'd like to make a donation. Uh, we'll uh, offer some incentives throughout the show as well for those of you who uh, you know are, are waiting for you. If, you. if you participate every year, you know what I'm going to do. So we're going to offer some incentives as well. You can take advantage of that. But if you're just feeling moved in this opening segment to, to do something about it, uh, 503-417-7575 is the number. Call right now. Uh, we got a great show for you today. Jonathan Smith among our guests, Oregon State football coach. I'm going to ask him, what, you know, what co-curricular activities did he participate in? Was he a drama kid? Was he, did he play an instrument or was he just a sports nut or what was it about? And what does he make of it the world today where, you know, some of the fees for kids to participate are just outlandish. But before we go to commercial break, um, Stephen, I want you to take a look at bftauction.com and tell me what auction item like jumps out at you if you were going to bid on an auction item what what is it that you would be going after yeah i think for me number 1 is the backstage access to the Oregon women's team and the reason why is like when you get close to these type of athletes especially d1 athletes and that's 
that's what I always strive to be. I know it's the I know it's the women's team, and I'm a man, but like I strive to be a Division one athlete. You see the difference and how good they actually are. And so to see the preparation and all that stuff that goes into it, it always fascinates me. Fascinates me. So for me, man, that is uh, that is my number one because that's somewhere I wanted to be. I never got to that level. So to be any part of that, that would be uh, that would be great. Yeah, that that auction lot includes four t- courtside tickets to a women's basketball game at or- University of Oregon this season, plus a backstage pass to go into the pregame chalk talk with Kelly Graves. Meet the team, tour the arena. Um, it's currently the high bid at bftauction.com is $510. I think we can do better there. We got much more ahead. You got the bald face truth. You want to make a donation? 503 417 7575. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. You can go to BFTAuction.com if you want to check out the auction items that are being auctioned off right now. They close at 6 o'clock, but uh, right now I think there's some deals to be had at BFTAuction.com. You can also go to BaldFacedTruth.org if you want to uh, link through to BFTAuction.com. Judah Newby is uh, standing by. Hey, Judah, let me ask you a question on that website. You know, uh, you've been part of this for many years, volunteering, taking phone calls, uh, checking out the auction. What jumps off the page to you? I would love to uh, to get up with Grant Comey and, and do this Grant Getaways thing. I, I've seen it on KGW for years now, and to have a chance to be, uh, you say I could be featured on an episode? You get to be, you and a guest get to go on Grant's Getaways on KGW. And you get to select from his, you know, he'll say, hey, I'm going off, I'm going fishing, I'm going hunting. Uh, I went with him, and I, we went fishing on the Willamette and uh, caught a steelhead. <laughs> and that was on an episode of Grant's Getaway. So basically you go with him, and they bring a film crew, and they film you, and you get to be on his weekly TV show. There's some good content. Steven could come with me. It could be like yep. a comedy sketch if we want. <laughs> or it could be an actual, like, I could learn how to fish, which could be cool, too. Or, you know, he does a bunch of different – people have seen Grant's Getaways. I mean, he, he'll he give you, like, a menu of, like, here here's ten things I'm doing. What do you want to go do with me? And so this one would be a good gift. Like, this would be an amazing uh, Christmas gift for, like, for somebody's dad, somebody's brother, somebody's husband, father-in-law, something like that, where you're giving them an experience. And, by the way, uh, you know, you, you can't – you can't buy this, really. You can't buy your way onto Grant McComey's show, but you can donate your way onto Grant McComey's show oh, yeah. through this auction today. And, and it would be a good gift for someone like me who's not good at those kind of things and would actually learn something like on I, the trip, I, right? Like, it'd be same educational. Way. I was the same way because he took us on the on the Willamette, and he took us out with uh, David Johnson, who's like this amazing fishing guide. And I'm not the kind of kid who grew up catching fish all the time. And David Johnson knows where the fish are. And we literally caught a fish on camera. And like, how hard is that to do? And you catch a giant steelhead on camera, pull it into the boat. So it's it was pretty cool to do that. And my friend Ryan was with me, and we ended up doing that. And we went on uh, Grant's Getaways on KGW, so it was pretty cool. Uh, that would be a good one for Judah. Um, Judah, I know you, have, uh, you want your phones to ring right now, so we're going to offer an incentive for listeners right now who are listening and want to make a donation to the uh, BFT Foundation. So check this out. Uh, If you uh, want to call in and make a tax-deductible donation, 
in this segment only. Uh, if you make a twenty, uh, excuse me, if you make a fifty dollar donation, for every fifty dollars you give, the shoe mill shoe stores. I want to thank the Hubber family are going to give you a $25 gift card to the shoe mill shoe stores. So in this segment, if you call in in the next 10 minutes and you make a donation of $50, uh, you can get a $25 gift card to the shoe mill shoe stores. And guess what? If you're listening in the Eugene area, uh, you have Birch's Shoes in the Eugene area, and there's also a Birch's Shoe uh, store in Clackamas, the Clackamas Town Center. Uh, same offer to you, and you'll get a Birch's gift card for $25. So every 50 that you give, you get $25 back as a high five from the Shoe Mill Shoe Stores and Birch's Shoes. So thank you to the Hubber family for uh, their big hearts. The phone number, 503-417-7575. Great opportunity to give some cash, make a donation, and get a gift card back that you could probably give away uh, as a Christmas gift to somebody who's looking for a pair of shoes. Uh, phones can ring now at 503-417-7575. Um, we have a guest who's going to pop on here. And this guy, he, he does a lot for the community. He also uh, formed an interesting partnership with Jaden Grant, the Oregon State defensive back. People may remember Jaden coming on this show and talking about how much he loved Jamba Juice. Oh, he went into Jamba today. Oh, he got a Jamba today. Oh, Jamba's his thing. He has one every day. He got, you know, he... And so Steve Foltz, who owns and operates a multitude of Jamba, uh, I guess we call them stores, restaurants, shops uh, in the state, was listening to the show and went, hey, I'd like to get behind that, formed one of the initial name image likeness deals, and Jaden Grant became sort of the face of Jamba and still remains the face of Jamba. Steve Foltz joining us now. Hey, hey Steve, thanks for, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Oh, John, I'm excited to be on. I, I love the art, music, education, athletics. I got, I got two daughters that went through the Tigard school system, and I think that's what gave them the confidence and, and the environment to succeed. So I, I'm, I'm impressed with what you're doing. Well, I'm impressed with you guys because, you know, first of all, I love that you listen to the show. I love that Jaden's love of Jamba turned into a NIL deal for him. What was that like for you to work with Jaden Grant? You know, he's one of the class acts of, of any individual I've met as far as great listener, extremely intelligent, uh, one of the most courteous people I've ever met. I was a huge fan of Brian Grant, still am, and, and uh, working with Jaden has just been a blessing, just so humble and yet, you know, competitive and driven. And I actually think his interviews on your show are, are just kind of a highlight of my week. I think he does a great job with that. Well, I appreciate it was one of those things that happened really organically. He, you know, he started talking about his his love of Jamba, and then pretty soon it was like, hey, why isn't Jamba sponsoring this? And why? And how about an NIL deal? What was it like for you to get involved in that NIL space as a, as a business owner and operator? You know, it was, it was actually really easy for me because you set it up, which was outstanding, and we are the first and only that I know, and I know a lot of Jamba owners across the country. And then, you know, to meet with Jaden and have him just say, hey, look, I just I just really like some free Jambas, and I'd love a, you know, a standee in your store with my own smoothie. And it happened to be when we were rolling out Boba, and everything clicked, and he came and did a photo shoot. And, oh, my gosh, it's just been it's been exciting. And just I, I just feed off the energy of the, you know, the youth today, which is why I'm still in this business. 
Yeah, I, I think it was really interesting because it, we were able to kind of just go, hey, this makes sense. You guys should talk to each yeah. other. And then all of a sudden I go into one of the stores and I see his cutout in the store. And, you know, he's he's sort of uh, endorsing you and advertising for you. And I think it was great. It was a win-win when it comes to uh, it things was. that make sense. Um, let's talk more about the, the confidence factor. You talked about your daughters, those co-curricular activities. I think it's tough for kids right now. I think that, you know, especially coming out of the pandemic, there are kids that desperately need to get out and get connected with other people. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing, I'm definitely seeing it just within our Jamba stores across the state and, you know, just having to re-engage. And, you know, they always had eye contact, but now being able to see smiles and actually talk to people face-to-face. And I, I, I just believe whether you're, you know, my kids played soccer, you know, guitar, you know, piano, you know, student leadership, whatever it was, it kept them engage with other people they met people they wouldn't have met and it forced them to you know kind of engage on a personal level and i i just think that what you're doing to give it shouldn't be only the privilege to get this opportunity because it's what keeps you know kids on a schedule and and uh you know meeting people to help them grow i think it's outstanding well i appreciate your heart and for listeners you know i mentioned early in the show that We've had we have four business owners who have offered matches for your donations today, Steve and Jamba. One of those four. So you know every dollar that you give today between three and six p.m. really is multiplied by four. And Steve, why is that important to you? Why is it important for you to reach into your own pocket and and uh, make this uh, a big day for kids? Well, I'm going to, you know, I'm giving 1000 and I'll match 1000 And now that I just heard your auction items, I'm jumping on that as soon as I get done with my board meeting this afternoon, just because I also would go with the Grant's getaway. Uh, but I will, just a real quick plug, if there's any business out there that is considering they looking at advertising or whatever, it was one of the best dollars we ever spent on joining kind of just the show and your audience has been very supportive. So I'd jump all over that if I wasn't already doing it with you. But I, I just think that the, your agility to pick and choose the most important ones with this, and it's not just a set rigid format, is probably what intrigued me the most. Because, you know, you and Anna get to look over this thing and whoever else is on your board and say, hey, this is who needs this grant the most, and I think that's super cool. Yeah, it's and, and, and you're, we're nimble, and that's the thing that I like about it is, yep. you know, we often see a need and then there's red tape and it takes forever and it feels hopeless for too long, and I think the ability to very quickly solve a problem I mean, we can all relate to how satisfying that is. Uh, Steve, I appreciate you. appreciate what you do. What's your favorite Jamba drink when you're in the stores? Oh, I do the uh, protein berry workout. That's my go-to with extra peanut butter. All right. I'm going for that next time. Hey, I appreciate right. you. Thank you for Take your generosity. means a lot, man. You bet. Bye. All right. There he is, Steve Foltz with Jamba. Um, if, uh, if you want to make a $50 donation... Right now, we'll honor it through the commercial break. Shoe Mill Shoe Stores and Birch's Shoe Stores will give you $25 for every 50 that you donate. So you give uh, you give 50 bucks, you get $25 gift card. You give 100 bucks, you get $50 gift card. Shoe Mill uh, Shoe Stores, want to thank them. They're a great partner. They have supported the BFT Foundation for years. Uh, but you also heard the offer there from Steve at Jamba. He's matching up to $2,000. Uh, you know, Gresham Ford is offering to match $5,000. High Caliber Millwrights, $5,000. The Hogue family, $5,000. All of a sudden, your dollar 
now becomes four. Then, you know, and you have a real opportunity here to have some impact. 503-417-7575. Leave it here. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I talked to Hugh Millen, the former University of Washington quarterback, former NFL quarterback today, for a bit on the phone. He's got two kids playing college football. One of his sons was at Oregon and transferred. His other son also was a transfer. They're now at UConn and at Colorado State. Cale is at Connecticut. Clay is at Colorado State. Both of them are transfers. Um, and I start talking to Hugh Millen about the portal in particular. I mentioned earlier a 1,000 college football players in the portal. And everybody up in arms about how the good old days are gone and you know this is a sign of the times and look at the greedy kids and these kids. Are, and there's a faction there that's probably true, like JT Daniels announcing that he's going to transfer to his fourth school. It's a bit much for me. But Millen asked me a question. He said, who drew first blood, meaning players or coaches? And he kind of went into some detail with me about some of the stuff that his kids were sold when they were recruited out of high school and how the equation very quickly changed on them when they arrived on their college campus and found that the programs that they had gone to went into the transfer portal and brought in quarterbacks, including University of Oregon. They brought in Anthony Brown. That was never mentioned to his kid. Now, his kid eventually had an injury, so he probably wasn't going to play anyway. But he sort of said, look, um, in the recruiting process, the coaches will lay out a path for the players to get to the field. Here's what you need to do. You transfer in. Here's the work you need to put in. Here's the timeline for it. That's why a five-star quarterback in particular or four-star quarterback signs with a program. They get a path to the field. But as soon as they sign, now that the portal's in place, a lot of these QBs find that the path to the field has changed. And Hugh Millen said, look at what the coaches are doing. And it was really interesting to hear him talk about Anthony Brown and and, uh, and Shuck. Tyler Shuck was at Oregon. Anthony Brown was at Oregon. And Hugh Millen's son was at Oregon as well. And he was like, you know, Anthony Brown and Tyler Shuck compared notes on what they were told by the Oregon coaching staff. And I'm not picking on Mario Cristobal here. I think this is true of a lot of coaching staffs. But they found out that they were both being told, hey, you're going to start, you're going to play, you'll be starting our bowl game at the end of that first year. Like, they were they were both sold the same path to the field, and both things cannot be true. And I get why coaches do that, but it also makes me more empathetic towards players who are in the portal because the players in the portal, eh, they, at some point they got to look out for number one because nobody else is. So I wrote today at johnconzano.com, about Hugh Millen, and I wrote about a former University of Oregon football player who was so fed up with disillusioned fans and angry fans and people not understanding the plight of an athlete that he basically told Oregon fans, go F yourselves. Um, he, you know, And I printed his letter nine years ago. People may remember we printed his letter in the paper and it, people blew up over it and you know, he was essentially, though, saying, like, you don't understand what we go through. We're not paid. 
We live, we eat, we train it. We're on the field, we're broken down physically, we wake up, we do it again the next day. We're objectified, people place bets on us, people yell at us, they put us on pedestals, and then when we're done, they throw us away and they move on to somebody else. And when you think about it through that prism, I really do think you get more empathetic towards that the idea that these guys that are jumping into the portal, you know, have at it because coaches and this game is not look that's not looking out for them. Historically, has not. So, I think it's a really interesting read. And as I was writing it, I learned a lot. And I often find that when I'm writing a piece like that, that's really deep like that, that that I'm learning as I'm writing and reporting, which is fascinating to me. Like as you're reading it and you're learning, I was learning too. And it really opened my eyes to maybe, you know, I'm still not comfortable with it. I still don't like a thousand college football players in the portal. And like where are they all going to end up and how, is this, this, how does this pencil out? But I also now kind of go, well, I get it. I understand why. Uh, you can read that at johnconzano.com. Uh, we are raising money today for kids of the BFT Foundation. Now, uh, Judah Newby, do we still have a few shoe mill gift cards? We still have them. The Birch's gift cards are all gone in Eugene. Thank you to the Eugene listeners. Do we still have a couple of few shoe mill cards? Can we do? Can we extend it into this segment? <laughs> we can. Yeah, yeah. People are just flying in. It's phenomenal. Uh, but yeah, we got we got a couple of a shoe mill gift cards left. So uh, get them while they're hot. Okay, let's do this. If you make a $50 donation, you get a $25 shoe mill gift card courtesy of shoe mill. It's, it'd be a great Christmas gift for you to give to somebody in your office, your neighbor, your friends, your daughter, your wife, your your uh, in-laws, 503-417-7575 to get those gift cards, uh, make the donation, get the gift card. Here's another offer we have. We have a Trailblazer season ticket holder who is offering Blazers center court seats. This is interesting. It's center court. It's row P. So you are center court at Moda Center. You're in row P. I know this donor personally. Uh, I have sat as a guest of this donor in these seats. There are phenomenal seats in the 100 level, row P. Okay, you're center court. You're not courtside, but you're center court. You know what I'm saying in the 100 level. These are good seats. And in fact, I I jumped onto StubHub before the show today, and I looked at kind of what uh, what do these seats sell for, and depending upon the opponent, at a minimum. These seats sell for about $350 each, and depending on the opponent, they go up to five or $600 each for these seats. It's, it's, these, are, these are nice seats. So uh, we have some tickets that we can offer today on the show as an incentive. And I'm going to start with the January 12th game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, I mentioned earlier, the, these tickets sell for about $350 to $400 each ticket. We have a pair of tickets, so that's times two, in Section 112. They're adjacent to each other, row P, um, for the Cleveland Cavaliers game on January 12th. I'm looking for a $350 donation gets you both tickets. Basically, I'm selling you buy one, get one. All right, uh, that's on January the 12th. First caller that wants to make a $350 donation gets the Cleveland Cavaliers Blazers tickets for January the 12th. $350 donation gets you the pair of tickets. We'll transfer them right over to you. 
Uh, now, a second game that I have to offer. Let's go January 15th, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, these tickets price out at about 500 to 550 per ticket. Dallas, pretty good team, Peter. Dallas Mavericks, Peter, pretty pretty good team, Stephen. Yeah, uh, Luka Doncic. I mean, I I would say this, and I think I'm a little high on him, but I think he's the second best player in the NBA. So okay. that, that's just what it is, and he's been awesome this season. So yeah, great team. All right, so you get to see the Dallas Mavericks against the Blazers. Those tickets price out at about 400 to 500 each. We're doing the same thing. $450 on the Mavericks tickets gets you both seats. So you're getting a bargain. You're getting a deal. You're getting to see a game on the 100 level, center court, uh, the Cavaliers tickets, and then uh, the Mavericks tickets, 503-417-7575 to get those tickets. Or go online if you want to see the other auction items. If you'd like to check out uh, the Grant McComey, Grant's Getaways auction item, or the bottle of uh, bourbon that is uh, out of this world. It's a collector's item. It's a very rare. It's called a unicorn by those in the industry. They're saying this bottle, you cannot find it anywhere retail. We've got a bottle of bourbon that was donated to us kindly by the warm-hearted people who, uh, who at, at, uh, at uh, excuse me, at the warm-hearted people at, uh, I'm looking for the Westmoreland Liquor. Thank you. I just want to screw that up. I was getting feedback in my ear. Sorry about that. But uh, we got a bottle of Heaven Hill 17-year-old barrel-proof bourbon donated by the good people at Westmoreland Liquor that is being auctioned off as well. You can go to bftauction.com to see those auction items. All right, we're going to take a break here. We'll be back with the big splash. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State football coach, coming up later in the show. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Uh, I got to admit, I got my hopes up yesterday when I saw that Aaron Judge maybe going to the Giants stuff. Didn't happen. There was some erroneous news reports. I think it's why it's more and more important today that you uh, get your news somewhere credible. I'm telling you, I mean, I, uh, you know, there are there are some credible news outlets, some credible reporters out there. There are also some some phone, you know, as we call in our household, our kids sit, call them fakey bobs. I don't know why Bob got the name fakey, but uh, my kids will go, it's a fakey Bob. Like that's uh, you know something uh, that's not on the level. So. Uh, uh, there are some fakey bobs out there when it comes to reporting. And uh, one of them reported yesterday that Aaron Judge was going to the Giants. We now know, unless it's been unwound, that Aaron Judge ended up back with the Yankees. Nine years, $360 million. That's what I saw. Stephen, is that what you were reporting? Yeah, nine years, uh, $360 million. Is that going to end up being a bad... baseball, that's for sure. Yeah, is that, that going to be a bad contract? By year seven, eight, nine, or does that matter to the Yankees? I don't think it matters to the Yankees, but I do think it will be not a great contract. Uh, I mean, Aaron Judge has only really played three full seasons healthy, and he is yeah. a big guy like that. I mean, he's got a lot of injury concerns, but he is hitting uh, hitting sixty home runs a year. It ain't ain't too shabby. I was uh, looking forward to seeing him hit balls into McCovey Cove, but apparently uh, he will stay at Yankee Stadium. So there's the news there. Uh, for those of you who are interested in helping out the kids of the BFT Foundation, uh, I have some more incentives to offer. 
we have uh, a pair of tickets, center court tickets, Section 112 at Moda Center, that are for the Cleveland Cavaliers-Blazers game on January the 12th. They are in row P. I have sat in these seats. They are phenomenal seats. Uh, and you get a chance to go to these games and see them. And uh, the Cavs game, uh, if you go on StubHub, you're going to find that those Cavs tickets are selling for about $300, $350 each. We're asking for a $350 donation for the pair. So you're getting them at half price. January the 12th, Portland Trailblazers, Cleveland Cavaliers, center court tickets, row P. First person to make a $350 donation gets the pair of tickets, 503 417-7575. And your donation is going to the kids of the BFT Foundation. So you're helping kids in art, music, education, and athletics. And uh, I want to know from Peter Sampson, as you look at the auction items on BFTauction.com, what auction item is jumping out at you, Peter? Man, well, there's two. The obvious one is sitting courtside at a Trailblazers game. I've never done it. I've been that close pregame, postgame, but to actually experience it would be amazing. But I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to say the $5,000 advertising package on the, the Portland Station 750, yep. the game. That's such an amazing value. And a lot of people don't know this, but uh, I worked, I, I was one of the sales folks about a decade ago. Here is my first job in radio. And I can say. I I didn't know that. Yeah, long, long time ago. <laughs> and I can say it, it works. So if you're a small business owner, maybe you're not sure, man, does radio even work? I, I'm going to dip my toe in the water. I've witnessed it work. I've helped make it work. Now that I have a show, I'm on this side. I see my, you know, listeners tweeting at me. That, you know, they like yeah. to support the show. So, I mean, it gets such great exposure. You're affiliated. It's it. The reach is massive. And, I mean, obviously, I'm Portland only. You're statewide. I think that's a phenomenal value for someone that's on the fence and wants to jump in. Well, it was really cool to hear Steve at Jamba say earlier that his advice to any small business owner, he said it was one of the best things he's ever done for his business was to advertise on the show. And look, here's my thing. Like, I know when it comes to the companies like First Call Heating and Cooling and Gresham Ford and the like, Milwaukee Lumber and the companies that have been with us, shoe mill shoe stores that have been with us for years, um, you know, they're doing it in part because they believe in the show, but they're doing it also because it works for their business, and they know that the audience that listens to this show uh, is a, uh, is a uh, you know, educated uh, audience that has a job and, you know, has a family and needs an air conditioner or, or a heating system and buys shoes and buys a car, and, and you know, and I want, like, it, it's a great point that you make there about somebody who wants to dip their toe in the water because if you buy that auction that advertising package on the auction, you get a chance to do that, and also you go, hey, look, you're doing it at a low risk because you're just buying in and going, hey, I'm making a donation, but I'm getting the advertising package in conjunction with that. So for a business, it makes a lot of sense, especially for a business that maybe doesn't quite know if it's like, hey, I don't know if I should be doing this. This would be a great opportunity for you to, to take that shot. Uh, the Cavaliers tickets are gone, I'm told. So I'm going to move down my list to the next uh, uh, item that I have to incentivize. Uh, I've got Blazers Sixers tickets. That's right. Philadelphia 76ers. Steven, Peter, 
Tell them what they're going to see when the Sixers come to town. Yeah, I mean, they're going to see Joel Embiid and uh, James Harden going at it. Of course, you know, they have Maxi, some other nice pieces. It's going to be fun. Joel Embiid, Yusuf Nurkic, you talk about a physical battle there. James Harden lights out. That That's a really, really fun game. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, first, uh, now again, if I look on StubHub, which I am, uh, I see that tickets in Section 112, Center Court at Blazers uh, Moda Center, are uh, going for about $450 each. That's the, on the low end. Uh, we're going to ask for a $450 donation for the pair of tickets to see the Sixers Blazers on January 19th. 503-417-7575. First person to make the $450 donation gets both tickets. You're getting them at half price. You get to go to the game. And uh, there's a couple classrooms that get to go on field trips because you had a big heart. So uh, take advantage of that. Steven, let's give him the big splash. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. The big splash. Well, the 49ers aren't closing the door on the return of Jimmy Garoppolo. They're saying there is a way outside chance, not just an outside chance, but Kyle Shanahan called it a way outside chance that Jimmy Garoppolo could get back if the 49ers advance deep into the postseason. He's on a seven- to eight-week recovery timeline due to the broken left foot, but he's going to have a shorter rehab than was feared after he suffered the injury on Sunday. The Niners are saying they're not ruling out a return, but they're not optimistic about it either. Uh, you have the NFC Divisional round in seven weeks, the championship game in eight weeks, Super Bowl would be 10 weeks away, but if somebody takes you to the Super Bowl, if Brock Purdy carries the Niners to the Super Bowl, would they dare replace him in the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo? I don't think so. Garoppolo will not land on the injured reserve, at least not right away. He'll remain on the 53-man roster. He'll be inactive until the Niners need that roster spot. They're going to play it by ear, they say, but uh, there was no ligament damage. It's a serious injury. It could keep him out for the year, should keep him out for the year. But the team also didn't put in a waiver claim on Baker Mayfield. So they say they feel good about Brock Purdy and veteran Josh Johnson as the 1-2 on the depth chart. Keep an eye on it. Niners lean heavily on their defense, short pass game, a little bit of run game. Is it possible they could get away without having to go for another quarterback? Brock Purdy, is this your team now? We'll find out. All right, the 4 o'clock hour is coming up. Uh, Anna will join us. We'll talk a little bit about the Ducks and the Beavers, the transfer portal, the bowl games, and we'll raise some money for kids. BFTauction.com if you want to see the auction items. BFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald-faced truth. Raising money today for the kids at the Bald-Faced Truth Foundation, which means we're trying to help some kids out, let them play uh, musical instruments, play sports, go on field trips, classroom supplies, Heck, I could tell you about some of the things the BFT Foundation has done over the years. Blocking sled for a high school football program. Incubator for a kindergarten class. Drummers 
able to play in a drum line drama program, got some lighting for their stages. Summer camp, how about the summer camp? Camp Exceptional. The BFT Foundation puts on Camp Exceptional every summer. There are some kids who get scholarshiped into the camp. So basically the dollars you're raising today are helping kids participate in art, drama, music, education. A kid that comes to mind recently, we had a family that uh, was struggling to make ends meet and the parents uh, wanted to have their daughter be allowed to play softball. She just wanted to play softball and I remember uh, reading the grant request on air and uh, people called in and said, well, we'd like to fund that and I was, it, it's, this is, this foundation belongs to you as much as anybody else. This is, uh, you know, our community, kids in our community. I told the story of my own wife's upbringing and how important those co-curricular activities were for her. She has joined me in studio. But before I turn this over to you, Anna, and bring on our special guest, I want to uh, make one more offer to our listeners. Um, I'm moving down my list of incentives. And I have now a pair of center court tickets for the Blazers Utah Jazz game on January the 25th. If you go on StubHub, you're going to find that tickets in Section 112 begin at $350. So what we're going to offer here in this segment is the first donor to make a $350 donation gets both tickets in Section 112 row P. These are uh, below market value. It's like buy one, get one. I don't want you to go to the game alone. But if you make a $350 or more donation, first person to do that is getting both tickets to see the Jazz. 503-417-7575. Jazz Blazers, January 25th. Two tickets, $350 donation. Anna, we're going to bring on a special guest. How are you doing, by the way? I'm well. All right, tell us, tell us what you're seeing. You're looking at BFTauction.com. What are you looking at? Uh, I'm just looking at all the different items that are up for bid. There's some really cool ones this year. Um, there's a beach vacation home that people are bidding on. This is in Pacific City, two nights on the Oregon coast at the Pelican Villa. Uh, that's always nice. Anybody that's been to Pacific City knows that's a great I place love that. Out. I looked as the one that jumped off the page at me because we have often looked at like, hey, get, in, get away for a couple days. Uh, and that house, by the way, sleeps 14 people. Wow. We, we could bring some friends. You could jam everyone You could jam in there. some friends. Or if you have one of those big families, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. So uh, that's the one that you would go after? I like all that right. one. And uh, there, there's a few others, but we can talk about them later. All right. I want to bring on our next guest because I mentioned early in the show that people who make donations on today's show, when you make a $25 donation, I got a dirty little secret. It's not just $25. We have several businesses with big hearts who have offered to do matches our next guest is one of those people the great Bess Wills at Gresham Ford you've heard me talk about her she's a firecracker I'm warning you and I ran into her at the Pac-12 championship game uh, in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium and she said to me hey I want to make a donation and we talked about making it a match and here she is Bess thank you for making time 
Thank you so much, John, and we're so excited. You know, Bob and I were so excited to see you at the Pac-12 game. Sadly, the game didn't turn out like we wanted it, but um, so glad to see you. Yeah, you were rooting for USC. Let's not get too deep into that, but what is the connection? <laughs> what's, the, what's the connection to USC that you guys have? Well, you know, our son went to USC, so, you know, but our granddaughter went to Oregon, so we have a little bit of green, a little bit of crimson, a little bit of, you know, and, and we love you, so we know you have family members at the state, too, so we, have, we love the Beavers, too, so we're kind of all one-size-fits-all. Well, you're all-inclusive. And, uh, you look, you're known yeah. as the dealer with the heart. Anna, can you go into why Bess has a big heart and explain that, why Bess is on the phone? Well, I think, <laughs> you know, hi, Bess. Uh, I just yeah. admire the way that she grew up. I mean, Bess is this incredible trailblazer of a woman, you know, the GM of a Ford dealership who, by the way, won an illustrious award just last year as being one of uh, the most amazing uh, GMs literally in, in the world, in the Ford company. Um, but, you know, more than just that, she has this incredible heart for the community. Like, she sees the issues in the community best. And what I love about you is that you don't just sit around and complain about them. You put your money where your mouth is and you roll up your sleeves and you go to work trying to fix the problems that you see around you. And, and there just has to be more people like you, you know? Well, okay, but we're not here to talk about me today, okay? We're here to talk about Southwest Truth. And uh, we're, here to, we're here to talk about all the great things that the Bald Face Truth Foundation does. All and right, i got to so, tell you my yeah. favorite Bald Face Foundation Truth story. Okay. I was sitting in my favorite Thai restaurant in Gresham, and this lady comes up to me, and she's very apprehensive. And, and finally she says, are you best with Gresham Ford? And I said, yes. And she goes, well, you know John Canzano, right? And I, you know, sometimes that's a good thing. <laughs> and so I said, yes. And she goes, well, I want to thank you for help sending those kids to camp. She goes, my son had a lot of issues. He wasn't going to school. He was being teased. He was being body shamed. He, and I mean, quite frankly, she broke down in tears and told me she thought he was going to commit suicide. And, and he went to camp. She got him to go to camp. She somehow heard about the, you know, your camp and she sent her son to the camp and your staff engaged him and took care of him and loved him. And completely turned his world around. I mean, he started jogging. He became outgoing. And she was just so grateful. And so that's why we're doing it. We're doing it for that one kid. Uh, that's Thank you so much for sharing that, Bess. You know, I'm, I'm not even sure I know who that kid is. We've been doing this camp now for uh, a decade and so we've had hundreds, hundreds of kids go through this camp. And it is a camp that we run every summer. Um, you bring me to tears here. Um, when she was saying that, yeah. i got to be honest, I, I had the same experience. I was thinking of about 10 or 12 yeah. different kids in the last few years that I think all could fit that criteria. I mean, we've just had some kids that you see them on day one of that camp, and they're in a shell. And they're in a they're in a bad place. And by the end of the camp, 
they've made some friends, and they're, these are friends they're going to see at school. They're friends they're going to take with them after camp. And, you know, people say it's a sports camp. It's not. It's a relationship camp. We just happen to be doing sports at the time. But it doesn't happen without Bess Wills and Gresham Ford and everybody else who's listening who calls in and makes a donation. And so, Bess, it's, it's really you. It's not us. It's you. It's you and well, listeners like you. Yeah. And it's about all your listeners that can make a difference for that one kid. You know, we all think we want to change the world, but the real issue is one, you know, one kid at a time. I'm a little worried. So I'm a little worried about kids right now, Bess. I'm watching kids get out yeah. of the pandemic into schools. They've been isolated. They, it's been a hard couple years for kids. It has. And they need to get outside and they need to enjoy all the things that the camps do and all the, you know, the other extracurricular activities that you and your foundation bring to the table. It's interesting because, you know, a lot of kids, uh, it, it is those activities that keeps them engaged in school because a lot of times, you know, to participate in those activities, you have to keep your grade at a certain point. And the whole reason that we've partnered with you and that this foundation began was because we didn't want the idea of a single kid in our community wanting to play a sport, wanting to do a theater program, wanting to do some other kind of co-curricular, extracurricular activity, and having money be the barrier to that. Well, myself and Bob and Preston and everybody else at Gresham Ford are just so proud to partner with the Bald Face Truth and you know, just wish it could be more, you know, but uh, we've had a good year and we can do what we can and we'll continue to do so. So Bess came up to me at the game. This is how she operates. I said, we've got our Radiothon and auction. She says, what are you up to? I said, we have our Radiothon and auction next week. And she says, you know, we'll match $5,000. And Bess, I want to be, I'm going to tell you what I did. I turned around I called some of the other sponsors who have given, and I said, Bess is going to do this. And they said, well, we're going to do it too. And so now for people who donate on today's show, uh, you know, up to $5,000, we have a match times four. So there are four companies that are saying we're going to match. And so for if you're listening to this and you want to call and make a tax-deductible donation, 503-417-7575. Bess and her team are going to match to 5000 High Caliber Millwrights is going to match to 5000 Steve at Jamba Juice, you heard him in hour number one. He's offering part of a match. And the Hogue family is also offering $5,000 match as well. And, Bess, that was all born from you at that f football game. You know, uh, you know, you might you might have felt like you lost that day, Bess. <laughs> Somebody won. It's okay. You know, that there's always, you know, Sometimes the best lessons in life are through losing, you know, so it's okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bess. Hey, Bess, before I cut you loose, can I ask you a question? Do you remember being sure. a kid in school? Was there a co-curricular activity that made a difference in your life? Oh, well, I was in 4-H, and so it seriously, it changed the trajectory of my life. You know, I was a kid that grew up 22 miles from nowhere, and the only time I got to interact other than at school was when I went to 4-H meetings, you know. And so, you know, it facilitated me being able to make some money because I raised, you know, a pig and a sheep and a cow and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was – and I was so, so fortunate that I had a lot of backing and support from my parents, you know, and – and, you know, sadly to say, a lot of the kids that we support don't 
you know what I mean, don't have all those, you know, they don't have two-parent families and all that. Yeah. Bess, I appreciate you. Thank you for your generosity and your big heart. For people who are looking for a okay. car, go, go support Gresham Ford. They're supporting your community. Thank you, Bess. Thank you. Love you, Anna. Love you, too. All right, there she is, Bess Wills. She almost made me cry. I had glassy eyes when she was talking about that kid. And she's right. It's one kid that you're making a difference in, in their life. It's it's a kid. You know, it's a person. And, uh, you know, for those of you who want to give, um, Judah, are the shoe mill gift cards gone? Are they all gone? The uh, are, are just a couple left? Or what are we looking at now? I believe uh, two left. Okay, so here, here's what we're going to do. So we have two shoe mill gift cards for $25 each. Um, if somebody wants to call in and make a $100 donation, the next $100 donation gets both shoe mill gift cards, 503-417-7575. By the way, your $100 donation is now turning into $400 uh, as it's matched. Uh, there's a $400 match that walks in there with it, so it's really turning into $500. So uh, if you want to do that, you can get both those shoe mill gift cards. If you want to give 50, you can, and we'll give you a $25 gift card until those are gone. We also have the Utah Jazz Trailblazers tickets for January the 25th. They are center court, section 112, row P. They are uh, on StubHub. If you buy these tickets, they're $350 each. We are uh, selling this pair of tickets. Or offering them as an incentive to the first person who makes a $350 donation, you get both seats. So you and a friend, you and a family member, great Christmas gift, because the game's in January, January 25th, Jazz Blazers, Moda Center. Uh, you $350 donation, first person to call in and make that $350 donation gets those tickets. 503-417-7575. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. You can go to bftauction.com if you want to see the online auction part of the BFT Foundation's uh, Radiothon and Auction. Uh, you can also uh, go to baldfacetruth.org if you'd like. Anna, uh, what are you seeing online that you like right now? Our friend Grant McComey, who if you've been in this area for any amount of time, everyone has a Grant McComey impression. He's got this incredible voice. He is KGW News Channel 8's outdoor reporter. He's been in the market forever. And he's got a show that's called Grant's Getaway. You get to join him, you and one other person, your partner, your friend, whoever, Family member, you can join Grant's getaway on an adventure and be part of his weekly TV show. This is the kind of experience that literally you really can't buy anywhere else. Uh, you go with him on his adventure. The trip is filmed, and it's included in his weekly program that airs each weekend on KGW. Uh, your your package includes a copy of each of his books. I mean, this is the like the penultimate outdoor expert here in the Northwest. It's a guaranteed great time, and you get to document all the fun that you have with him on that adventure. I I did that myself, uh, and in fact, I think that was the one. Was that the one, Stephen? You said you wanted to do, or was that Peter who said he? Or no, that who was said Judah. they wanted? 
Judah. All right, strike three. Judah wanted to go on that. <laughs> I actually think Stephen would benefit from it the most, though. Why is that? Let's get him out. <laughs> get him doesn't out. go to a concert. Doesn't you know? <laughs> I agree. I, I don't disagree with you. I think you're right on here. I'd learn a lot find of things. Some hip I would waiters. learn. You need some hip waiters. No, you're in a there. boat, Anna. Or, well, it might or, not or, you be know, in a boat. You know, might I be might not be. Else. Yeah. You might be out in the woods. You might be in the woods. Yeah. You might be in the mountains. Yes. You might be chasing sea lions and, you know, <laughs> capturing them. Hold the sea lion, Stephen. You get, that's the thing is, like, you get to pick, if you win this package, you get to pick a trip of your choice from his varied menu of Grant's getaways. And it's like every weekend he goes and do, does something else crazy, fun, and wild outdoors. Uh, well, I think you should jump right on that. Um, Judah, give, if you want to bid on those things, by the way, go to bftauction.com. Um, Judah, where are we with the tickets? Are they gone? Looks like the gift cards are gone. The jazz are gone. So do I have – it's my turn to go to another ticket offer, right? That's right, man. That's right. People love these and uh, generous, generous donations and uh, people fired up when they call in. So it's been all good, but you can – Keep moving on down the line. All right, moving on down the line. Here's what I'm going to do next. Uh, a same good offer. Section 112, row P. Blazers tickets. Uh, Biologic Resources owns these tickets, and they are offering them up to a generous donor. Here's what I have. On Valentine's Day, okay? This is kind of interesting. On Valentine's Day, fellas, you can take your significant other to see the Wizards play the Blazers at Moda Center. Now, if you go on StubHub, you're going to pay about $400 a ticket to sit in Section 112. That's what the going rate is right now, 400 and up. But we are going to do, if you make a $350 donation, minimum $350 donation or more, first person who does that gets the pair of tickets. On Valentine's Day, you can go on a date. And I have found over the years... The dinner's fine. It's fine. Roses, flowers, it's fine. <laughs> but an experience like taking your significant other out for a night, it's not like there are a lot of things going on. Like, I find that we're in a market that maybe uh, lends itself to something like this being experiential. So on Valentine's Day, see the Blazers and Wizards, $350 donation or greater, 503-417-7575. Uh, do we need to start giving Valentine's Day's tips, Anna? Uh, a little early for that, but I can report, so this is cool, that beach vacation home in Pacific City, yep. that's sold. It's gone. Sold. So you don't want to wait until the last minute if you are really thinking about these auction items that are online at bftauction.com. You want to, if there's something you really want, you need to jump on it. Because they're, you know, they're, and the one that I'm interested in is Westmoreland Liquor has donated Heaven Hill bourbon. It's 17-year-old barrel-proof bourbon. And the people that collect bourbon tell me it's a unicorn in the bourbon world. Like, you don't, it's, there's a lot of hype, and it lives up to the hype kind of thing. <laughs> that you don't find this bottle, like, at a, at a retail place. It's, this is a collectible. It's not attainable, okay? It's a, and, and right now, this bottle of bourbon is sitting at a uh, $1,400 bid. And I am told that the value of this bottle of bourbon is uh, up around $2,500. I would like to taste this bourbon. 
<laughs> I need to know. I need to know what's in it. So the so, caveat of this item is that you have to let John taste it. No, you don't have to. But I also am thinking to myself, like, uh, we got to get the Westmoreland liquor guy on the show who donated it. Yeah. So I have texted him, Adam at Westmoreland Liquor. I have texted him, and I'm going to have, probably going to have uh, Judah or somebody give him a call. Judah, can I give you this guy's number, and maybe we try to get him? Yeah, he'll, get he'll him. take it. Judah's on the phone. Judah's on the phone. How about, how about I'll, I'll put it in the screener for you, Stephen. Yeah, Steven. perfect. And during the break or something, you tell him, we, you know, we'd like to get Adam on, because I want to hear him. I'm fascinated by the story of the Heaven Hill bourbon. What is it about? What makes it special? All of that jazz, what, uh, you know, as you start to talk about, you know, and I recently had a chance to go over to a distillery, uh, and it was uh, it was quite an experience for me to Bull Run, uh, the distillery that is in northwest Portland, doing something special with them. And, man, when I went in there and they started geeking out, talking about the whiskeys and the bourbons <laughs> and rye and barrel proof and single barrel and all this stuff, I started to understand why people – because I always thought, like, bourbon was just bourbon, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, what's the difference between what I get at the store and what – and then they started pouring differences. Yeah. And I was like, this is like wine tasting. Uh-huh. Huh. Like, you could, you know, a hint of this, a little bit of that. Like, yeah. I didn't even know what I liked <laughs> till I went into Bull Run, you know? Yeah. So I'd like to get the dude from uh, Westmoreland Liquors on the show, get him on the show to talk about um, – you know, talk about that uh, bottle of bourbon that they have offered up to us. All right, we have much more ahead, including I want to talk about the ducks and the beavers and the transfer portal. Who has uh, something to gain, something to lose there? What's the latest, and what do I think of Oregon's new offensive coordinator hire? All that's still ahead. If you want to get involved, bftauction.com to see the online auction items. If you'd like to make a donation, 503-417-7575. Get your credit card out. And uh, our volunteers are standing by. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Anna is perusing the auction items at bftauction.com. Anna, what do you see that needs some love there? What's Where's the opportunity? Well, this one's so interesting. So you get an Oregon Ducks VIP women's basketball package. The lot includes four courtside tickets to an Oregon Ducks women's basketball regular season game in the 2022-23 season. You get a backstage pass to the pregame chalk talk with Coach Kelly Graves. And you meet the team in the locker room, and you get a tour of Matthew Knight Arena. Pretty good. Like, I have to think that there's someone out there who's got, you know, a basketball, huge basketball fan in their life that would absolutely love this as a Christmas present. I mean, I know people are still out there looking for, you know, what to do for the holidays. It's an experience. Like, you're going, you're, you can't, again, you can't buy it. You can donate your way there, but you can't buy it. But today, I guess you can buy it. Yeah. Four courtside tickets to that game. And That's you amazing. get behind the scenes. You get to see the Chalk Talk. Yep. I haven't seen the Chalk Talk with Kelly Graves. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. Doc, for inviting me on the Chalk Talk. Uh, the Oregon Historical Society listens to this show. I know this because Kerry Timchuk, who runs the Oregon Historical Society, has an offer 
for a special BFT listener. He's called in. Kerry, what's on your mind? Hey, John. Uh, well, since you changed history for the better for kids, I've got a history, uh, a history opportunity. We have a OHF has a 100,000 square foot warehouse. We call it the Oregon Vault. It is at a undisclosed location uh, in Gresham, uh, like the Bat Cave. It's a secret okay. location. It's where we keep the the vast majority of our remarkable collection. It is. If your if your listeners remember the the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, at the very end when they hide the ark in a warehouse the size of South Dakota, this this is it. And it, you turn one corner and there's a horse drawn hearse uh, without the horse. You turn another corner and there's the tro the control panel of the Trojan nuclear plant. You turn another corner and there's our amazing uh, Native American basketry collection. Uh, it is a a history geeks uh, you know. Best thing ever. Uh, it's we we very rarely offer tours of, of the vault uh, because it's uh, you know it's again given a secret location and it's just chock full of uh, amazing artifacts. We let you hold Mary Weather Lewis's branding iron and other items like that. Uh, so uh, when we do offer it for some very few charity auctions, it often goes for five to ten thousand dollars. So uh, I'd like to offer a tour, a VIP tour for a listener and ten of their guests. And perhaps you and Anna can join because you would wow. have the time of your life. Do we have to be uh, blindfolded before we go to the? That this? was going to be my question. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like we do. You remember that movie Men in Black where they zap you with a thing? <laughs> yes. and where that It's, it's kind of like that where you forget yeah. where you've been. Uh, so this is a once in a lifetime type opportunity to see okay, that for... get in the bowels of the Oregon Historical Society vault. So. All right. So ten, ten guests. Yeah, ten guests, and, uh, and I bet it would be go for more if you and Anna came along as well, and we'll just do it at a mutually agreeable date. I'd love to and, do that. And, uh, you know, if you want to set a price to it or if you want to get some bidders, but, you know, at least I would think someone maybe want to make a, a, a $2,000 donation or $2,500 donation for this, but we could uh, see what the market bears. Okay. Why don't we do it like, a, like it's a live auction, like we're sure. going to do it in real time. Now, Carrie uh, – I'm going to put you on hold. Our screener's going to get your info so that we can stay in touch with you, so we okay. know where we're where we're going to where where we're supposed to park and the blindfold, how we oh, put yeah, that we'll on, and direct, all that. Directions will be supplied and, and okay. all that before uh, to the winner before uh, okay. date. We'll we'll set a date and you know when in early 2023 or whenever whenever it can happen, and uh, we'll I, I guarantee you it's a, it's a experience you'll you you won't forget. All right, so the Oregon Historical Society. Secret Vault, Carrie Timchuk, offering that private tour, 10 people. Anna, do you want to go? 10 people? Do you yeah, want to go? Yeah, I want to go. Okay. I totally want to so go. So you, me, 10 people, including whoever wins this thing. Here's what we're going to do. Judah, I'm going to put some pressure on you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you're going to have to be the point person on this because somebody off air has got to handle the point. Okay? You up for it? Let's go. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do just between now and 5 o'clock, so in the next 23 minutes. We're not going to drag this out all day because history has a time. It has an expiration on it, okay? So in the next 23 minutes, if callers want to call in, I'll update on the air what the bid is, but let's start the bidding at $1,000, and then uh, you know the first person to call in at $1,000 will be the high bidder, and then we'll just keep walking it up. And you know, right when we go to break... At 4.59 and how many seconds? 34 seconds or whatever that time is that I'm supposed to be out that yeah, I never yeah. am out on? It's all good. Not a big deal. Uh, whatever. 
when we get to that time, that's when the auction ends. Whoever's the high bidder gets it. So basically, you're bringing 10 people, plus Anna and I, into the vault of the Oregon Historical Society, or Historic Society. Uh, so 503-417-7575 to uh, make the bid. And we're going to start the bid off at $1,000. It's 10 people. Yeah. It's a bargain. That's an experience. And we can set an agreed-upon date. Maybe we can do it when it's not cold. Uh -huh. I don't. I don't really want to be thinking about how cold I am when I'm thinking about history. <laughs> uh, but maybe we can do this well, in the, the spring. Well, the vault is probably temperature controlled. Probably is to preserve the I, items that are in it. I want to know if what's in the vault. I know. And I want to know: can we leave something in the vault? Yeah. Can I put a BFT sticker on the side of the wall of the vault or something? Are Packy the elephant's bones in this vault? What could be in the Oregon Historic Society vault? Uh, the other thing we could do is if somebody wants to buy it and donate it to a class, mm -hmm. that would be an excellent item that the foundation then, I'm just thinking like the foundation now, could turn around and offer to like an honors class or a class at a school that uh, you know it wants to do a field trip and offer it to 10 students who have really shown during the school year that they've got an interest in history, mm -hmm. that they could tour the vault yeah. as a classroom. Mm -hmm. So there. 503-417-7575,000 makes you the high bidder. You get to control who goes on this trip. If you're on the trip, if I'm on the trip, you could tell me, hey, you know what, I'm buying it and you're not going, John. That could be <laughs> that could be part of the deal. Uh, all right, so uh, coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about more about uh, college football. We're going to talk more about this auction. But I wrote today about the transfer portal. Anna, you had some thought. I was a little surprised by you because I wrote kind of from – with some empathy for the players, the players are all getting vilified because they're all jumping into the portal. And I think the knee-jerk reaction of myself was even to go, look at these guys. The grass isn't greener. They're all jumping into the portal. But the more I sort of reported on this, talked to parents who have kids who have been recruited at a high level, talked to former players, um, the more empathy I developed for the players in this scenario who are just trying to do what's best for them. And I'm not talking about the JT Daniels case where he's been at four schools in four years or whatever. I'm talking more about, you know, the kids who are jumping in the portal because they don't see that the situation they're in is in a good situation. I sensed you were surprised by that, Anna, because you said, oh, you took the position of the players. Yeah, uh, a little bit because of just the conversations that we've had. But, I, I mean, I totally agree. If we're going to treat college players like it's a job, um, which is essentially what we're doing now with name image likeness, then they should have the freedom to move between schools. Like, what do we tell, you know, young people who are climbing the career ladder? It's like, give it time, give it a year, right? We say give it a year at least at your current location and stick it out for a year. But if it's not really working out for you, advance. Go somewhere else where you are valued and appreciated. And, you know, obviously with, with college sports and team sports, it's a little different dynamic because you are technically part of a team. But, you know, as we've seen from coaches, coaches recruit, bring players in, and then leave themselves for better opportunities. So it's like how can we really fault, you know, the, the young men and women for doing that themselves? The NCAA has a 45-day window. And a lot of people ask me the same question. I keep getting the same question. Can a player transfer more than once? The NCAA last August 
had a proposal in front of it that would allow players unlimited transfers. They pumped the brakes on that, and I think that was a good move. Like they said, hey, we're not really willing to go there. Everybody can transfer one time regardless of you know circumstance. One time you can transfer. The second transfer, you either need a waiver from the school you're at or you need to apply to the NCAA and tell them, you know, hey, there's a academic reason or there's a personal reason why I'm transferring. The, what I gather is that they are pretty much opening the floodgates for players. They're not going to stand in the way. I haven't heard of a case where a player got denied a transfer. So I think they're, without saying that there are unlimited transfers, I think they're kind of saying there's unlimited transfers. Is that problematic? Because I think the way they lost the Austin case, they lost 9 nothing in the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. I think the way they lost that, the Supreme Court didn't just rule against the NCAA. It told the NCAA in the filing, and I read this, and I don't, I don't think I'm any smarter for reading it. I wish I understood it better. <laughs> but they basically told the NCAA, if you appeal this or you try to institute any kind of price-fixing or salary-fixing, this isn't going to go well for you. They basically sent a message saying this is a knockout and don't come back to us. And so I think the way that it went, the NCAA has got to be terrified of litigation. So I think they're probably rubber stamping all the transfers. Like, hey, you know, unlimited transfers, no. But if you have a good reason, yes. And what's a good reason? That's up to you. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what they're saying. And where it goes, we don't know. Like, I, I think there's a, a lot of frenzy right now with, you know, the thousand-some players that are in the portal and taking advantage of this new Wild West of how things are being done. But I think over time, uh, it, you know, things will settle down and we'll see what actually will be the norm moving forward. Really cool stuff coming up. I'll talk specifically about the Ducks and the Beavers. I'm not the least bit worried about Oregon having players in the portal in part because that's where Oregon wants to live. And for Oregon State, they've got to come away from, from this from this period with a quarterback, do they not? Jonathan Smith's going to be joining us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We will uh, talk with him about that. Uh, I want you to leave it here. I have more incentives still ahead. I want you to go to bftauction.com if you want to see the auction items that you can bid on. we got about an hour and 15 minutes. Leave it here. you got the BFT. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. So the column I wrote today at johnconzano.com started with a letter that I got from a University of Oregon football player nine years ago. He had attended an Oregon football game at Autzen Stadium. This was the 2013 season. He played in a BCS-era bowl game for Oregon, and he was invited to the game by a friend as a fan. He'd never been as a fan. And he went as a a spectator. He was very excited to tailgate and cheer for his old team. When he got there, he encountered fans who were drinking and jeering at the Oregon players. He said uh, they were yelling at Marcus Mariota and DeAnthony Thomas. Um, They were yelling at Mark Helfrich, who was the coach. He was the first-year coach at that time in 2013. And the player, fans around him in the stands did not recognize him. And the player began to argue and debate with fans around him. 
he said there was a woman who was yelling profanity at the players and the coaches and the officials, and he vowed to never attend another football game, and he wrote a letter to me about it. I printed the letter today. I linked to it. You can read it at johnconzano.com. The letter caused a stir, in part because he said he loved Oregon, but he hated Oregon fans. Now, I would argue that he probably had an experience that was with a thin stripe of Oregon fans, and I think if you get into the wrong seat at the wrong stadium at the wrong time in any stadium in the Pac-12, you're going to go, these are horrible people. Uh, but he said, go bleep yourselves. That was the message that he had for the fans who used to cheer for him. Um, and he vowed to never print a game. Now, when I printed the letter originally, fans started debating whether poor stadium behavior was everywhere. And I want to talk about that in this segment. But I wrote more about just the player experience today at johnconzano.com. But if you want to see the full letter, it's there. It's linked. You can read it. Anna, do you think bad fan behavior exists everywhere or do you think there are some stadiums that are worse than others uh i think it exists everywhere because when you combine alcohol and just sort of like the cronyism of uh you know the kind of like the religion of sports it's like our team versus your team yeah i think uh it's it's just a mix that's going to lead to some confrontations uh, i think certain stadiums have worse reputations than others you know, you always hear about, like, the old Raiders stadium and the, what that was like and uh, the fights that would break out there. I, I would say that I feel like in the last – I don't know if it's just because of social media and we're seeing more confrontations documented now where, like, maybe this was happening all along but we just didn't have video of it. But I feel like every day there's video of some kind of bad fight between fans at stadiums. So that's concerning to me. Like, I'm wondering, you know, is that – because we were all, like, holed up for two years and didn't have a lot of human interaction, and now we're feral and we don't know how to get along? Or I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't know. Maybe, Stephen, can you speak to that, uh, Judah, Peter? I mean, the what we're seeing, I think part of it is we, that people have mobile devices and you can more easily capture the fan fights inside stadiums. I think bad fans exist in every fan base. I do think there are probably some fan bases that are ill-equipped to handle success, that's why I caution Oregon State fans who haven't won in a while. They, you won nine games. Let's say they win 10 or 11 or 12 games next year. Let's just throw that out there as a hypothetical. They run a risk of not knowing how to handle the success. I think that's a real thing. But I don't, I, I've been in all the Pac-12 stadiums. I've seen bad things in every stadium. I've seen great things in every stadium. Guys, what do you think? I think there's a relationship between team success and bad fan behavior. <laughs> uh, well, I guess there's some teams that are not good and, and the fans behave poorly, but like as a Seahawks fan, I remember when they got good and then went to a couple Super Bowls in a row, the sheer amount of Seahawks fans that jumped on the bandwagon was noticeable, and then mm. the amount of Seahawks fans that just loved to talk smack because they were channeling their inner Richard Sherman. You know, we all, we all loved the attitude and behavior of the team that made them great, but Fans don't really channel it in a uh, in a healthy way at times. As far as like in stadium behavior, yeah, that's a thing too. Um, you know, I've been to Soldier Field, I've been to Foxborough, I've been to you know Century Link, anywhere you go at an NFL stadium, uh, especially if you're going to support an opposing team, uh, a road team. You, there's some bad fan behavior. Indianapolis, they're super nice. 
I went to Seahawks Colts a few years ago in Indy. Super nice in Indianapolis, everywhere else, though. Just be careful where you're walking. So do you think, like you noticed it, see, that's interesting to me that you noticed it in Seahawk fans because I noticed it when the San Francisco Giants won World Series in, you know, they went in a three-year stretch, they won it twice. Like, I I was not in the Bay Area a lot, but I was over at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk like after their second World Series that summer after, and I think I commented to you, Anna, I looked around, and I was like, why is everybody wearing a Giants jacket all of a sudden? <laughs> and like brand new one. Brand new Giants Still jackets. Had folds in it. And I was like, this wasn't how it was when I was a kid, because the Giants <laughs> stunk when I was a kid. Uh, Dre's in Portland. Dre, how you doing? Jay, Jay, can I just say, in regards to college fans, it's not the students. The crazy thing is, it's the adults. <laughs> no. I, I, I know people who go to Duck games. Did not attend the college. I know, whatever. You don't have to attend the college to root for them, but they are the worst. They are the worst. I've been to a few college games. Not been to Berkeley. Uh, you know, had a chance to, you know, Portland State, of course, local games. The adults are the worst, man. I don't know if the students are just drunk and high, so they're just chilling at the game, jumping up and down. But the adults, man, they will cuss you out in a minute. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. I, I think he's got a great point there. I the, But the student section has its moments, you know. I think if you're a, a student at a football game, I've seen, you know. I asked you, Anna, uh, it was, um, was it the Oregon game or, no, maybe the game before that where I had a couple people complain about alcohol problems. Yeah, it was the rivalry the stu- game. Was it, it, the, it, it, it was the Civil War game. It was pretty rowdy. Yeah, it was rowdy. You know, there was uh, there was a lot of drinking, a lot of student drinking. There was, uh, to the point where I was a little concerned, like there was a girl that was walking around and I was trying to find an alcohol monitor because she couldn't stand on her own feet. Wow. And then, uh, you know, there were fights breaking out. Uh, There was one guy that I saw getting walked out of the stadium shirtless and it looked like he'd been in a scuffle. Like, that's, that should be your bar, right? Like, you want to try to leave the stadium with your shirt on because if you are leaving uh, half naked, waist up, that's probably not a good thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, some of that is student behavior, but, I mean, isn't it sometimes like the, the likened to uh, new money versus old money? Mm. So it's like I have always found it interesting when, you know, Oregon got to those championship games. It got to those big title games against teams from other parts of the country that had experienced, like, decades and decades historical success. Um, I found the fans from those schools – to be very congenial, like uh, win or lose. They were they were polite, they were kind, and it was kind of like, hey, you know, we've been here before. Um, of course, we're passionate about our team, but it's kind of like when, you know, you talk about people with new money, they are obnoxious. They're the people that go out and buy, like, the really expensive sports car, and they're really flashy about their money versus the person who kind of knows how to carry themselves with more class. I think it's a it's a good point. It's a good reminder for us all too, because you know I remember going down to uh, a spring game at LSU. I was dispatched to go cover spring football to kind of write about you know how unhinged is the SEC. You know they had like sixty five or seventy thousand people show up to a spring football game at LSU after they won a national championship, and um, I remember talking to LSU fans who thought it was their job to be ambassadors for their football program. Mm-hmm. They were like they would talk to like 
visiting fans at games, they said, and it was important to them that the fans that were visiting left with a positive view of their school. And I thought that's very different than most of the Pac-12 footprint. I think people are cordial, but I don't know if people go to their tailgate, set up, and go, hey, if any visiting fans walk by, we're going to be extra nice to them <laughs> so that they go home and tell people how great we are. But that happens. I think a lot of that happens in the SEC. I think that's important, and I think it, it has more to do with sort of the um, – uh, the culture, the like cold. the southern hospitality, Hospi- like they're, they're more hospitable. we want to we present well. I mean, we may talk crap about you behind your back, but at least to your face, we're going to be extra nice to you. Yes, I think that's 100% <laughs> it. It's really, it's a fascinating study, really, as you look at it. All right, uh, we are raising money for kids at the Bald Face Truth Foundation. Uh, I'm going to make a special offer here as we go to commercial break. We've been talking a lot about Blazer tickets on today's show. Well, I have another offer to make. I have a pair of tickets to March 19th, Blazers Clippers, Section 112, Row P. If you go on StubHub, they're $450 each. We're going to sell a pair of them to the first person who donates $450. They get the pair. That's right, pair of tickets to the Clippers Blazers, 503-417-7575. Hey, Portland, the rain... B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. Great discussion on today's show. Really good discussion on this show about fan behavior inside stadiums, the hospitality of the Southern fans, the pride of the Big Ten fan. What's the Pac-12 fan base known for? I got to be honest. We got to be we got to be known for mild apathy in some places. Berkeley, Stanford come to mind. And then um, we have to also be known for maybe some of the fan bases haven't done a good job the first time they've had some success in handling it. Other than that, I think the atmospheres are generally good, generally positive, festive. I think Autzen Stadium's parking lot, I would like to see them pave that parking lot. It's gravel right now. I'd like to see it paved. can get a little messy when it's wet. I don't know. That's me. Is that uh would they laugh at me in SEC country? No, in SEC country, it'd already be paved because they'd be selling those spaces. Mark's in Portland, and Mark's called in. We'll get to the 5 at 5 coming up, but Mark, <laughs> what's on your mind? Hey, I'm calling in to defend the older Duck fans. I mean, I... That last call, I don't, I mean, these younger fans have, they are completely spoiled with what the Ducks have done in the last couple decades, you know, with the back-to-back conference championships. I just remember, like, in 1988, the Ducks won seven consecutive games at home, and it was, we were so proud of them that they finally qualified for a bowl game. We tore down the goalpost on the right side of the field. And, and, you know, it was just a completely different crowd back then. Uh, John, when they moved the alcohol into the stadium, that Stanford game when Oregon had a 17-point lead, they were throwing projectiles from the stands. And it was 20- and 30-year-olds in a rock concert atmosphere. It might not have been the students, but we saw what happened with the, the Mormon chant that came from the student section i believe it wasn't a bunch of 50 year olds that were doing it so you mean the 50 um, year olds weren't yelling f the fill in the religious 
group. You know, that's yeah, I like, mean, yeah. We're, no, I think, we're I think you're right. 50, 50, 40, 50-year-old 50 people, they understand that we don't play football. We come there for entertainment. And when the game's over, I, I had to break up Duck fans fighting with each other. I remember seeing you down in Vegas when they were playing the basketball tournament, the Pac-12 tournament, two Duck fans got in a, a, a fight. I wish I was video recording, and an Arizona fan was breaking it up. So, yeah, it's the alcohol. I mean, when they moved that alcohol from the, the, the indoor facility to the stadium, you've created a rock concert atmosphere. So you're going to a Ted Nugent concert, and you're, you don't want to take your grandson your son. I mean, it's it's a different environment at Oregon. I, I don't know how people can deny that. They're in denial if they're saying it's not. Yeah, I, I think Oregon. I think or I think all the schools. And look, Oregon brought back alcohol, and a lot of the stadiums inside the Pac-12 brought back alcohol. So I don't want to single them out, but I think problems came when the alcohol came back, and and it came back in certain levels versus others. But. Um, I hesitate to say Oregon's worse than other places. I think it's, maybe it's more noticeable than other places. I want to give the fan, like, I always think it's a thin stripe of fans, because like, I deal with the same crap. I deal with a thin stripe of fans that are Duck fans that are jerks. It's a thin stripe. But there's a thin stripe of Beaver fans who can be equally jerky. <laughs> so I just kind of chalk it up to I have Washington fans, I have Washington State fans, I have... You know, the the only fans that don't give you any trouble are Stanford and Cal fans. It's apathy. They don't care. And I've been in the Bay Area. I worked at the Mercury News before I came to the state of Oregon. It was like they really don't care. The fan bases are tuned out largely, and that's kind of sad to me that they are tuned out. But I find it interesting as we have this discussion, when Dre says it's older people, I even think maybe Dre's not – talking about 50 year old people like i think that if you're looking for a sweet spot for jerks okay i actually don't think it's the college kids i think the college kids the misbehavior of college kids can be attributed to alcohol and underdeveloped brains right okay Mm -hmm. bad combination Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna do i'm gonna excuse them Mm -hmm. from this argument i i think mark is right i i don't think it's like 60, 70, 50, 60, 70 year old dudes who are the problem. I think the sweet spot for jerks is probably about 24 to 35. Uh-huh. I find, and I, this is anecdotal, I have had over the years multiple people, like not a small number of people, I'm talking about 15 to 20 people mm-hmm. who have written me emails and said, Ten years ago, I wrote you, and I was a horrible human being, and I said some really mean things, and I'm more grown up now, uh-huh. and I feel bad about what I sent you. I can't remember what they sent me because there's a lot of it, but they will apologize retroactively, and often they're like in their 40s now right? or their early 40s or late 30s mm-hmm. where they have kind of just awakened to the fact maybe they have two young kids at home, they have a dog, they have a job now. And they're going, man, was I a jerk when I was 28. <laughs> That's the crowd. I think the sweet spot, if you're in that 24 to about 35 crowd, watch yourself. Get a mirror. You know, look in the mirror before you email. Maybe don't send an email. Maybe you shouldn't have Twitter. 
<laughs> if you're in that age range. I think that's the sweet spot. Can, you know, anybody disagree with that here or agree with it? What, what do you guys think? You know, Peter, Stephen, Judah, what do you think? Well, I mean, now that I'm 35, I feel like uh, I'm okay with it because now I'm almost out of the jerk range. Yeah. So, uh, no, I agree with you because it seems like um, it's almost it's the guys that just got done with college, like they're not in school anymore, and they're kind of looking for themselves, right? Because when you're a student, that's your identity. You're a student, you're representing the school. But when you graduate college, so a lot of these times – these people just are looking for what they want to do in life, right? And they just don't have an identity. So I think they take it out on other people. I think you might be right. Let's go to Brent, who's in Independence. Brent, what do you think? Hey, I just want to give some props to one of our Pac-12 schools. I'm a Cal guy, uh, graduated uh, UC Berkeley. Awesome, go Bears. Uh, so still not ambivalent, but I know what you mean. We were in Utah, about four of us. And we're all in our late 50s, right? And we're wearing Cal gear, playing the Utes. And the people out there, John, couldn't have been more nice. We're walking in that huge tailgate section, and we got invited for more beverages, more food. Come on in. Of course, we knew we were going to get slaughtered, and maybe that's why people felt sorry for us. But I just wanted to give a shout-out for one school out there that treated some old blues pretty well out there in Utah. Yeah. Uh, there was no animosity. Of course, they, I don't think they feel too thre- felt too threatened. If anything, they probably felt sorry for the blue and gold. Yeah, you were kind of like, uh, you know, you're being invited in by the cannibals, and they had a, they had a <laughs> hot pot of water. <laughs> and they were like, come on in. Come on in, Brent. All right. Hey, I appreciate you, man, for the phone call. Um, <laughs> look, uh, I, do, I think that, though, there's some Utah fans that are jerky. You've, I've seen you've some, had a lot of interaction with the the Utah I've, fans. I've seen I've seen some Utah fans. I think by and large, they their build was was they had slow growth, and I think slow growth helps. Mm-hmm. And that's why I probably think what you know the problem at Oregon wasn't the people who went to Oregon and you know or or even the people who had been there thirty years and watched Oregon lose. The problem was right around two thousand nine two thousand ten, kind of when Chip Kelly put jet fuel on the program it took off and it went from hey it's nice to get to a vegas bowl or uh you know an alamo bowl or a holiday bowl to all of a sudden let's go to the natty and the natty crowd was ill-equipped to deal with you know the expectations and the hysteria and i think that's where you know everybody was sort of looking at oregon and going um you know what they're like the paris hilton of college football it, because everything had happened so fast, but people didn't remember. And, and it's why the old school holdovers, like, you know, wanted to talk so much about Rich Brooks and Bill Musgrave and, you know, Tony Graziani and, you know, Mike Bellotti's era and Joey Harrington because they they were like, hey, wait a minute, it didn't happen overnight. There was this insistence in the fan base that they had worked for it, and that it wasn't all built but with Nike and Phil Knight and Chip Kelly and the cover of Sports Illustrated and Times Square billboards, that there had been some growing pains in the program. But the problem was most of the country wasn't watching that because there were very few eyeballs on Oregon when it was making that slow build. So I think the new fans that suddenly arrived – when Chip Kelly was taken off, were it was a different Oregon fan all of a sudden.
and I was here. I saw it. Like, it, it turned. So if Oregon State continues on the trajectory that it's on, what do you see happening with the fan base and how they behave? Will they say that this was a slow build? Or will they say that, you know, Jonathan Smith has, in a short span of time, achieved what no one thought he could? I think there will be the holdover fans who were there for Mike Riley, who were there maybe for 28 years of not making a bowl game before Mike Riley, Dennis Erickson, all that, to Gary Anderson, to the restart with Jonathan, the reboot with Jonathan Smith, and they'll have a real appreciation for the growth of the program. Like the fans who are here now, I think, have a real appreciation for the growth of that program. But if Jonathan Smith wins 10, 11, 12 games in each of the next two seasons, there's going to be a whole new batch of Beaver fan who didn't attend Oregon State, who just want to be part of it, just like the 12s, the Seahawks fans that, that uh, were obnoxious to Judah and the Giants fans that were obnoxious to me. The bandwagon will get there, and that will be a really interesting study. Because the Oregon State fan base that for a long time said, oh, look at Oregon, you didn't even go there. There's going to be some people around them that didn't go to Oregon State that want to be part of it. And what are you going to do then? We'll look for the 25 to 35-year-olds. Look for them. All right, I got some more Blazer tickets I want to give away here as part of our incentive to help raise money for the BFT Foundation. I got a pair of tickets March the 24th, Chicago Bulls, Trailblazers, Section 112, Row P. $450 donation gets you a pair of tickets. 503-417-7575. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Been talking about fan behavior. We're also raising money for kids. The BFT Foundation's Radiothon. An online auction today. You can go to bftauction.com if you want to check out the auction items. I still want to talk about fan behavior. Jonathan Smith, the Oregon State football coach, is coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour at 5.30. I want you here for that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we'll take some phone calls. Uh, Josh from the Shoe Mill Shoe Stores and his family, the Hubber family, have supported the BFT Foundation for years and years and years and years. They care about the community. I say that, and I know that because I've seen them show up in person and bring their employees out to events and buy in. And they have done something really cool this year. In addition to donating the gift cards that we have given away to uh, people to incentivize people to make donations. By the way, those gift cards are gone. Uh, they have also offered a VIP shopping experience at the Shoe Mill Shoe Stores. Anna, can you outline what they are offering? And we're going to bring Josh on to talk about it. The winning bidder receives a private VIP shopping experience at Shoe Mill uh, at one of its uh, six locations. This would ha happen with the company president, Josh, at Washington Square or Bridgeport Village. You get a $500 credit in the store and 15% off of any additional purchases and a private shoe fitting with Josh and you get to learn all about the shoes that you're buying because Josh knows every detail about every shoe that is in that store. Let's bring Josh on. Josh, winning bidder, what are, what are we getting here? And by the way, thank you guys. Oh, it's our pleasure, John. Happy to do it. Give me an idea. So, uh, you've done this over the years, uh, what that experience is like, because I think it would be a hell of a gift for somebody. Yeah, you know, we've We've done this, like I said, for the for over the years, and um, 
each time it's different. You know, sometimes people will uh, want to set up their own little shoe party. So we can even do it after hours, before hours, bring your friends, come down, and we can make it a shoe party. Um, and we've also had people just do the one-on-one. And, like, Anna, Anna really talked me up. I do know every detail of nearly every shoe, though. So I guess that's, that's what you get with me. It's funny because when I meet Josh, he'll always look down at my feet. And by the way, I've got some uh, Kizik's on right now from the Shoe Mill Shoe Store. Oh. <laughs> so you, you know that. So, Josh, I, you guys yeah. have been incredible supporters. I know that uh, a lot of this comes, you know, it's generational. Like your mom and dad believe in community. Um, they've always been generous in, in giving and giving back. Um, what does it mean to you? Like, why is it that you guys show up year after year, whether it's providing gift cards as incentives for people to donate or donating this item or helping out in, in other ways? What, is it, what does it mean to you? Well, oh, you know, so many people over the years have helped our family business. You know, my grandparents, they immigrated over here. They started the shoe store uh, when they were like 52 and 53 years old, right? So they've lived a full you know, career after immigrating, full work career, and then started this new enterprise, and we've been supported by the community. So we definitely feel that it is our duty to support the community that supported us. Well, you're doing a hell of a job with it, and I know a lot of kids are getting to do some things that they wouldn't otherwise get to do. Um, for people who want to bid on the shoe mill vip experience and again i think this would be a great christmas gift because then yeah you say hey look i didn't get you a pair of shoes i got you a shoe experience you can do that at bftauction.com i would just do the buy it now right now and take it home uh josh uh i i appreciate you but before i let you go i want to know what co-curricular activity did you participate in as a kid that helped you become who you are today I played basketball, and I'm five foot ten. I have short arms. I can't really dribble left. My jump shot is very spotty. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, I played, but I did a fine job uh, warming the bench. And uh, so, yeah, that was my that was it. But my son, he wrestles, and uh, he's a better wrestler than I was basketball player. And truth is, I probably should have wrestled instead of basketball. But <laughs> anyway. I love that. No, that's, that's, that's the truth. <laughs> I love it. Um, look, I think uh, it's important that you guys get recognized for being part of the community. I know that's not why you do it, but give a thank you to your family, to your dad, to your brothers, and everybody who works at the Shoe Mill stores. So I, we really appreciate you, and we appreciate, appreciate uh, what you've done over the years. Hey, it's our pleasure, John. And I would I echo what you said. This is a great gift. Because it's not just a pair of shoes, it's an experience, and not that I make the experience, but we'll do everything we can to make it special. So if the winner says, look, this is a Christmas present for my significant other or, or whomever they buy it for, we'll do everything we can to make it special. Treat them like royalty. There you go. I love that. All right. Josh, thank you. Thank you. Shoe Mill Shoe Stores. Go to shoemill.com. You want to see their shoes. By the way, go in and tell them you want Uggs boots or slippers for Christmas for your significant other. You have 36 minutes left to bid at bftauction.com on this shoe mill VIP experience. What's the current low or the high bid on that? It's five, $500 is the starting bid there. All right. So bid on that. That's a no-brainer because you're getting 
you're getting uh, the value right back. I yes. mean, you're getting $500 credit in the store. Right. So they're getting a dollar-for-dollar dollar value for the donation, plus 15% off additional purchases, plus they get an experience. So it's like, hey, I didn't just get you shoes. I got you the store. And a blank, you know, here's $500 to spend while you're in there. Come on, that's phenomenal. Uh, BFTauction.com. Mike's in Salem, wants to weigh in on fan behavior. Go ahead, Mike. Well, several years ago, the Bees went down to LSU to play a game against LSU early in the season. They ended up losing because Cerna couldn't make extra points and field goals. But some friends of mine went down to that game, and they came back, and they said, we've never seen anything like that. They, they just came in, and they said the people just grabbed me everywhere they went to tailgate and share positive. He said, we've never been to another place. And the converse Years ago, we used to go to the Oregon game. We're 25-year Beaver ticket holders. But, and a friend of mine would take us down there, and I would convert when we came to Oregon State to play. And we'd see the game, and these kids came out and just, just berated the hell out of us. And, and my wife said, we're never going back. And so, you know, I think, which I don't blame her. And then a couple of years after that, we were playing pretty good football at Oregon State, and Stanford comes to town, and, these kids come running out, and we just happened to be walking out of the stadium, and these Stanford fans were with us, and these kids started, you know, doing this, you know, you know how kids do. You know, they're 20-something-year-old kids, and they were getting out of out of control, and they're telling them, we kick your, you know, you know what, and F-bombs and all that, and I yelled at them, and I said, you knock that off. I said, you're acting like duck fans. Get over here and apologize to these people. And the kids stopped, and damn, they didn't come over and apologize to the Stanford fans. <laughs> they just needed some parenting. Yeah, and and the Stanford fans were, you know, they were probably in their 60s at that point. They said, that was really nice of you to do that. And I said, you don't treat people that way. You don't do that at these games. That's ridiculous. And it wow. happens in every, not one yeah. versus another. It happens, and it's really, really disconcerting, I think. Yeah, I, I think uh, you hit on something there. I do think it happens in almost every place. I And, uh, you know, I know Duck fans are going to feel like I picked on them today, tweeted out the link, and people are like, oh, you're about to get it from Duck fans. It's not it. I think if you read the piece, you know what I'm really thinking about when I talk about fan behavior is I was thinking about that player who played at Oregon and all the players who played before the transfer portal. I'm not saying all of them should have transferred. Like I don't want I I don't want to see Marcus Mariota get in the transfer portal or Joey Harrington or you know, but I think about the fact that they didn't have the option and they were forever at the mercy of the NCAA going, "Hey, your coach can leave, but you can't. You have to sit out if you transfer." So I think there's some good that has happened in this portal. And I think if you're a, a college football fan, you, you can't help but think about the players of the past. And I do, I do think that the portal will settle down, but I think it's going to take three or four years. Jonathan Smith's coming up, bottom of the hour. He is the reigning co-coach of the year in the Pac-12 conference. Talk to him about that, the bowl game, the portal. We'll download on everything that has happened since the end of the Oregon-Oregon State game. Uh, I do have one last Blazer ticket offer still on the board. If you want to go see the Blazers play the Bulls, Blazers coming up uh, playing the Bulls uh, on, uh, I'm going to give the dates here. If you want to see them play the Bulls and get to sit in Section 112, Row P, special offer. 
right now, uh, those tickets, if you go on StubHub, are $450 each. Here's what we're going to do. You get a pair of tickets, two tickets, for a $450 donation. First person to call in, 503-417-7575, March the 24th, Bulls Blazers Moda Center. $450 donation gets a pair of tickets to sit center court, row P. Jump on that now. Jonathan Smith coming up. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Five zero three four one seven seventy five seventy five is the number. If you want to give to the BFT Foundation, you want to be part of the success of today's event. Uh, that's where you go. I want to give a shout out to the team at Alpha Media. I said this on yesterday's show, and I mean it. Um, you know, Lisa Decker with Alpha Media, Bob Prophet with Alpha Media. Uh, thank them especially for the continued support over the years. I sent Lisa a note this morning and said, you know, not all media entities over the years that I've been involved with have bought in the way that Alpha has. And they have allowed the platform for this uh, to happen. They have uh, donated a $5,000 uh, advertising package. So if there's a, a small business owner out there that wants to bid, on some advertising and launch a campaign on this show and uh, you know you can do that while uh, while essentially uh, donating to the kids of the Bald Face Truth Foundation but I, I am grateful for the platform that they give to this nonprofit and the fact that they allow us to kind of spend a day every year raising money and awareness and letting people get involved. But if you want to see those auction items, you want to bid on the advertising package, go to bftauction.com. All right, our next guest uh, is the co-coach of the year in the Pac-12 Conference. I think it's well-deserved. I think uh, Jonathan Smith did a hell of a job this season, but I think the work probably of he and his staff has been a build that has started – you know, four or five years ago, really, with that first season uh, at Oregon State where he went 2-10. and ten. And I thought about it yesterday when we had Jack Coletto on the show and over the season where we have Jaden Grant on this show that, you know, these were guys that saw the transformation and participated in the transformation themselves. And for fans and observers who have been here, um, it's been remarkable to watch it because a lot of coaches and a lot of programs will talk about growth and they'll talk about building something and then, you know, they, they're, not, they're not really moving. But I saw movement and, and momentum, and I continue to see momentum, and he's fresh off a plane. He just landed at the airport, and he is calling in. Is he, are you still on the plane right now? <laughs> just got off, man. I'm walking around PDX right now. Uh, headed to headed to my car, so it worked out good to catch up yeah. with you. But good, good to have you on. Hey, congratulations! Congratulations on co-coach of the year. I mean, come on, yeah. like, it's not why you get in it, but that's it's nice when they're handing out those honors. There's no question. I think it's a reflection of those players you mentioned, uh, Jaden 
Jack and a bunch of guys, this coaching staff, and there's no question we we progressed and and Caitlin DeBoer did a phenomenal job this year too, so that was well deserved. Did you exchange messages with Kalen DeBoer? You know, get, did you go like a hey, congrats, congrats, or was there any kind of back and forth with you guys? <laughs> you know, there was uh, not yet. I'm sure we'll bump into each other. I, I should should have probably texted him. I, I was thinking about texting sarcastically, saying, "Hey, I might have." I'd have won the thing if I didn't vote for the guy, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It was interesting because you got to vote for two. Uh, Do you mind sharing if if he was one of your votes? You know, who were your two picks? Do you mind sharing that? Well, there's a, yeah, yeah, you know, he was definitely one. um, And there's a lot of candidates this year. I'm not going to go through the whole quarterback who I voted for, this type of thing. But, uh, you know, I think with Lincoln Riley, what he did, in year one, both those guys were phenomenal. Obviously, after watching the game, you can make a strong argument. Kyle Winningham continues to be top-notch. I think Dan Lanning did some great things. Year one, I think about these guys in year one. Obviously, our experience is totally different. Um, but there was a, a lot of good coaching going on this year. Yeah, I think it's an interesting time. And, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but, you know, Kyle Whittingham's like the, uh, the old man in the sea. He's been there longer than anybody, but... You're you're tied for second when it comes to tenure. Is that weird for you? Like it doesn't feel like you've been here that long. Yeah, well, uh, obviously the coach saw taking off, and I do. I don't know if I'm tied for second. I think Wilcox has got me by a year. Okay. So, but yeah, I'm I'm all, I'm getting a little bit older in in this thing, and there's some new faces in the. I can't wait till these coaches meetings in May, man. We get some new faces, new personalities to <laughs> to get to know. What is it like uh, when you get in those coaching meetings? Is you know, do you guys? Is it cordial? You guys know each other well. Is there, is there good good camaraderie because you go through some of the same stuff? What's that like? Yeah, it's cordial, no question. I mean, sitting in the head coach's seat, you know, these guys deal with some of the things that obviously I do. So it, I've enjoyed it, man. I've gotten a lot out of it. I appreciated David Shaw from day one, uh, asking him his thoughts on handling things and how he did it and. Obviously, year one, Chris Peterson's in the room. Mike Leach is in the room. Um, and now, like I said, we're progressing to some more and more guys. I enjoy hanging with Dan and Chip Kelly. I know Justin really well back in the day. So, yeah, it's cordial, good discussions, a couple laughs. Uh, I look forward to getting together with those guys. All right. Uh, you got out on the road pretty quickly after the last regular season game, and you began recruiting, and I think you've you, you've been in Kansas and Florida and Texas and all over the place. What is it like? for you to have nine wins in your pocket while you're recruiting? Oh, it's, yeah, it's huge, man. People taking notice and um, getting in these homes, the excitement, going to these high schools, and people talking about, hey, I watched this game, I watched that, great year. Um, so, yeah, ton of momentum makes it makes it fun to do. I enjoy this part of it, getting around, getting on the turf as the recruits were chasing and getting in their homes and talking with mom and dad and that kind of thing. And so kind of wraps up for me today we got practice in the morning. I'm going to do one more flight in the afternoon. Go see one more one more guy, and then we're locked in on the Gators. All right, so bowl game, uh, Vegas Bowl, SEC opponent. Um, it's not just getting to a bowl game now. It, it's about winning a bowl game, isn't it? Without question. Hopefully we've got a learning experience from last year. You know, we got a lot in front of us. I mean, this is a big game. The opportunity to win 10 games, SEC, awesome venue, counting on Beaver Nation showing up in a big way. Next weekend, I mean, shoot, it's easy to catch flights to Vegas. Come on down for the weekend. Um, so awesome atmosphere, still a ton to accomplish, and really send out these last you know, the seniors the right way. 
really proud of that group. Like you mentioned, some of these guys have been, been here since 2018 and want to put that note on them that they're going out with 10 wins. Yeah, getting a 10-win season, uh, you think about that as a benchmark. You know, and I know at the beginning of the year, you said, when I said, what was your goal? You said you wanted to win them all and get to Vegas. Guess what? You got to Vegas in a different way, and you uh, you go 9-3, and three, which is not bad at all, and you have a chance to get to 10. What would 10 wins mean to the program? Yeah, it'd be huge. I mean, that's a, that's a benchmark. I mean, you know, nine's a, a good season, and, and 10 separates things a little bit. And, and, you know, you always got the coach in you, and we let a couple – flip out of our hands. Of course, we got fortunate at the end of a couple wins, too, so there's some back and forth there. Um, but I do. I want to play a great game, play our best football at the end of the year. Get a bunch of respect this program. they got some players. Their scheme's tough. You know, it's the SEC. Uh, and so for the opportunity, Oregon State, Pac-12, play a team like that, win, 10 wins, all of that is, is something we're chasing would mean a ton. All right. Let, I didn't get a chance to really have you on after the rivalry game with Oregon, and it was it was uh, remarkable to see you guys impose your will at the end of that game, and you know what what how did that feel to you to kind of just put the hands the ball in the hands of your offense and they couldn't stop you. Well, you know, you got it. we got the ball in our hands in opportune times, field position wise. And there's no question, the whole line took over and the run game did. Defense had a huge stop on fourth down. Special teams play. You know, just college football is a long game, and it did not feel good. I'll tell you, it started that second half. We turned the ball over freaking twice, uh, get down three scores. But I did feel like there was enough time if we could get a quick score, and we did in the third quarter, get the crowd back into it, had some opportunities, and then it, it, it totally the momentum swung, and, and these guys finished the deal. It was interesting because the, that was the kind of game that you, you lost last year, a close game. You had to finish it, you know, and – you know, you, you played well enough in other games, but that was the kind of game that didn't go your way, and so there's growth there. How do you parlay that into next season while you're also losing some, some veteran guys? Yeah, each year's going to be new. I mean, the guys that are returning next year, we get to learn from all experiences, hopefully gain some confidence from all experiences. I mean, even think about this year, you know, that game, our defense needs to come up with a stop. It's first goal on the five. There's about three minutes left. Uh, and they come up with a huge stop on fourth down and, and turn the ball over. Earlier games, we've given up the lead, right? We had the lead against FC, three minutes left, couldn't get that done. We pinned UW inside of their own five, about five minutes left. They go 95 yards and kick a field goal more or less as time expires. You know, even Fresno, we took the lead. They take it right back, and obviously we finished it. So it was a, a huge step that we needed to clear of having the lead at the end and, and getting the stop to win the game. Transfer portal, 1,000 players in there. How do you – how do you uh, balance that in your mind? Like, I think we all think it's good for kids to have options, but how do you retain your guys, and how active do you guys want to be in grabbing talent out of the portal? Yeah, uh, you focus on both of them, you know, retaining your guys. I do think our guys are excited to, you know, what we've created around here, their experiences they're having, they're growing, developing. Um, but, it, you know, every situation for each individual is not the same, and there's some good opportunities for players to, you know, maybe play some more or the fit isn't exactly right. Um, on the flip side of it, yeah, we've got some things next year, depending on a couple of decisions guys make on going to the NFL or not, we're going to need need to continue to fill our roster in unique ways, you know, with the, the walk-on piece, high school scholarships, junior college, and the transfer portal. And we'll be, we're definitely checking it and seeing and talking to some guys. Got to use it 
because it's available. Damian Martinez had a great second half of this season, just dominant. Looks like a guy that you could build around next year. Um, you know, I know that you don't have control over collectives, but how, how concerned are you about him being that, you know, he's a Texas kid, you know, some other school or some other collective coming after him? Uh, you know, how, how good do you feel about Damian? Yeah, we're aware of it. I mean, he has a big-time year, and he's not alone. We've got some other younger players in this day and age in college football. Um, you know, on our end, from the you know, program-wise, we're trying to make his experience as best as possible, and he's taking advantage of it. I do think he's generally really happy at this place. Um, but that's something you've got to be aware of in, in this day and age. And it's not just our place, but all across college football. You're yeah. good players that have some eligibility. Um, you're aware that what can take place potentially. All right, today we are raising money for the BFT Foundation, and it helps kids in art, music, education, athletics. Um, you know, as an elementary school kid or a junior high school kid, what was important to Jonathan Smith? Was it just sports, or were you into music or art or drama? What did you do? Okay, well, for sure it's the sports thing. I like the neighborhood. You know, I know I like inter intertwined the yeah. football and, yep. you know, two-hand two touch football. My parents pushed me hard music when I was young, young piano, played the trumpet, and then they gave me the opportunity to stop. And, of course, I was 11 years old, and I stopped. I regret that to this day because I still can't sit down and, like, play a, play an instrument. I wish I would have wish would have done that. Uh, do you, do you so, think, yeah, like those if, are the kind of activities. Do, like, if the marching band handed you a trumpet, could you – do you at least know how to hold it? Could you play a note? Like – what what would you be able to do? <laughs> I might be I might be able to hold it. Could not play a note. It takes some work now to be able to produce the sound in those. I know. Trumpet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got nothing. I can't read music. I mean, I sit down in the piano. I got no chance. But hey, I can still the rest of my life here. I can. You're always trying to grow and improve. That'd be something I wouldn't mind picking up, yeah. YouTubing it or something. Yeah, because you could do like the national anthem and then kick off the game and coach the game. You could be like the <laughs> trumpet guy. I don't know if I'd get to that stage, yeah. But maybe when I'm at the house by myself and trying to relax, if I could function on the piano, it'd be pretty sweet. You know, I thought of you because last night I thought the Giants were getting Aaron Judge, and it turns out he goes back to the Yankees. So as a Dodger fan, you br you breathe a sigh of relief that Aaron Judge is not in the NL West? Well, yeah, 100 well, unless he was going to be on the Dodgers because we've lost <laughs> some guys now. Cody's going, Trey Turner. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, 100%, I'm glad he's not. Playing in San I was bummed about that. All right, good luck to you. Congrats on the uh, Coach of the Year. You deserve it. Uh, I think it was. A, it's a great regular season. Really eager to see you guys get uh, a shot at Florida in the tenth win. It'll be fun to watch. Yep. Well, you'll be watching from Vegas, right? You're coming on down. I am. Uh, <laughs> you always. I was just there. You know, I was there for the Utah USC game. Uh, and... We got to make your money back, man. You got to, you know, probably didn't go just... great for you. And come on back in a couple weeks and make back. I... I should just stay there. Like, my wife would really go for that. Like, I'll just stay there two, three weeks, you know? She'd be real happy yeah. about that. <laughs> With the Thank kids, you. too. Yeah, I know. Jonathan, okay, good, good job. I'll see you, man. Thank you. Thanks. See you. There, there he is from PDX, carpet under his feet, Jonathan Smith, Oregon State coach. I love that. He said he might have won the Coach of the Year award outright if he, did, if he didn't vote for Kalen DeBoer. How about that? Jonathan Smith uh, and Kalen DeBoer share that award. I'm not with the people who are saying, oh, they shouldn't share the award. This is like a tie. If the coaches voted that way, I don't really see the logic in, in separating the vote. This isn't like a participation trophy. 
It's just this is the way the coaches voted. They were deadlocked on Jonathan Smith and Kalen DeBoer. And I think you can make a case. You can make a case for Jonathan Smith winning it. You could say, hey, he did more with less. You can make a case for Kalen DeBoer. You say, hey, he beat Jonathan Smith head-to-head. But then the, the Beaver fam would go, no, no, but he, he beat him at Husky Stadium by three. And, you know, so neutral site rematch? I don't know. So why not just say, hey, right, you're co-coach of the year. That's the way the coaches had it in the way they saw it. It's not the first time it's happened. Uh, I think it's pretty remarkable. For those of you interested, just 12 minutes left in the BFT Foundation Radiothon and Auction. Just 12 minutes left for those of you who are uh, interested in the auction items. You can go to bftauction.com. You can check those out right now. If you want to jump on the Trailblazers courtside seats, the Oregon Ducks, Portland State VIP sideline passes, this is an auction item that should, I think should be going for a little more. The current high bid is $600 for two sideline passes to the University of Oregon home football game at Autzen Stadium next season against Portland State. It's the season opener on September 3rd or September 2nd at Autzen Stadium. You get two sideline passes. You stand on the sideline. You watch the players and team. You get to see the action up close. If you've not been on the sideline at a major college football game, go to BFTAuction.com and check out that auction lot because that is special. That is a Christmas gift for somebody, dream come true for somebody. Uh, also, the Hillsboro Hops VIP adventure, throw out the first pitch at a Hillsboro Hops game. Next season, you get you and uh, four friends get to go to the game, get to go in the club level, you get to go to the buffet, all you can eat, and then uh, ultimately you get to throw, somebody gets to throw out the first pitch. That would be a great Christmas gift as well. Uh, there are 12, 13 auction items still up for bid that will close in the next 11 minutes. BFTauction.com if you want to bid on those. If you'd like to just make a tax-deductible donation, you can go to uh, baldfacetruth.org and do that, or you can call our volunteers who are standing by right now. 503-417-7575. You got the BFT. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Tomorrow I'm going to take a deep dive on uh, college football. We'll talk some NBA. We'll talk a lot about the Blazers. Uh, and, you know, Peter, last night you uh, focused on the Blazers and the Pulse. Thought that was interesting because I wanted to know, are the Blazers for real? And then now today, you know how I know the Blazers fans are excited? They're bidding on uh, the Blazers ticket auction lots that are online at bftauction.com. Um, I can always tell when the enthusiasm's there because there have been some years where maybe there wasn't a lot of enthusiasm. It's there right now. It's, people like this team. Yeah, I mean, it's a fun team. It's easy to root for. Uh, of course, Gary Payton II went through a full practice. They're expecting him back soon. But uh, hope is uh, hope is there right now for Blazer fan. There you go, Blazer fan. Get, you know, get on that. Uh, by the way, can we just go around the room? Let's look at the auction lots that are still available. There's five minutes until the auction lots close online. Pick an auction item that you think needs more bids or does, or is undervalued currently when you look at the auction lots. And what do you guys see? Steven, you go first. 
Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, the, I think the Oregon Ducks versus Portland State VIP sideline passes. I mean, right now, $600 is the highest bid. I mean, you're getting on-field access to the Oregon Ducks, who are basically you know the professional team in this area, right? There's no professional football team. That is the team. And then you're getting them against a local team, Portland State, that like, if you really want to get into football in the local area, this is a great way to start, and then you can continue going to their games after that game and really get into it. I think that should be a lot higher because you're getting a lot of uh, access to that. That would be my first choice. I also think there that's one where you could bring a camera, you could take some pictures, get up close. Um, you're literally on the edge of the field for that game with a sideline pass during the game, watching Oregon play Portland State like they're at a park sitting in front of you playing. BFTauction.com if you want to see that auction lot. Two sideline passes up for bid. It closes in four minutes. Peter, what's undervalued in your mind? Yeah, I'm still I'm looking at this advertising package. Five thousand dollars of advertising. You can swoop in at fifteen hundred bucks. Fifteen hundred bucks if you have a small business and you can get more than triple the value on this station here in Portland right now. There you go. So it's sitting uh Right now at fifteen, uh, it's at a thousand right now. So fifteen hundred would make you the the leading bidder there, and you get uh, you get a deal on that. Judah, what's undervalued in your mind? There's no better day than the Celebrity Golf Tournament. That's my favorite day of the year, uh, and you can get your own Celebrity Golf foursome. Uh, when we do the BFT Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament out at the Reserve. Uh, right now, the highest bid is fifteen hundo. You can get that up to two grand. The value is four grand. You can get there, you know, double your value, get your own foursome in there, play with a celebrity. It's the best. We do the radio show out there at the reserve, and uh, that is a memory in and of itself. So get in there, make a bid on the celebrity golf foursome. You'll be glad you did. That one, that event's always fun, and you get access to about 25 different local celebrities and former Blazers, former Ducks and Beavers, a lot of people out there, a lot of opportunities to network with people, too. I'm going to go with uh, a, a little different angle. The Oregon Ducks VIP women's basketball package, you get backstage access with the Ducks. Four courtside tickets to an Oregon Ducks women's basketball regular season game, backstage pass to the pregame chalk talk with Kelly Graves. You meet the team in the locker room. You get a tour of Matthew Knight Arena. Um, this item cannot be won by a prospective high school athlete per the NCAA rules, but everybody else is on the table. If you know somebody who loves women's college basketball, this item has two bids on it right now. It's currently sitting at $610. Uh, I would bid that thing up. we got two minutes to go. Go to BFTauction.com. Now, I want to thank everybody who's called in today, everybody who's made a donation, everybody who uh, has told somebody else about the BFT Foundation. I had a couple people reach out to me and say, hey, I, I can't really afford to, to make a donation. I'm not in a place today where I can make a donation. Here's how you can help if you're in that situation. Um, you know, don't make a donation today. Tell somebody else about the BFT Foundation. Tell them uh, about the website. Uh, retweet at BFT Foundation's tweets. You can become a powerful force uh, by telling other people about it and encouraging other people to get involved. Uh, BFTauction.com to get the auction items. We're back tomorrow with another great radio show. Thank you, everybody.